you're going to yeah. love the story behind it even better. Bam, we're live. I My birthday happened, and my wife walked in during the middle of the show and handed this to me and goes, the people watching your show bought this for you. Whoa. Cool. <laughs> and I cool. wept like a little baby then. I wept like the, a little baby. How does the um like it's multicolored lights? Yeah, so is basically it, this is a, it's a steel sign. It's it's like a, a piece of steel that I, I'm assuming with a laser was cut. And then behind it, there's a um a LED lights that are stuck. Yep. And it, it even came with the remote where you can change the color and have it do all this fancy shit, but I just leave it there on all the time. I love it. I'm cool, coughing. right? I'm getting yes. Hey, yes. dude. Uh, if seriously, it felt Ben. It felt like um, uh, I haven't earned a lot of things in my life. I, I, I by that I mean like um, you know, I earned paychecks, but like my kid earned a gray belt. The instructor know, walked I, up to. Yeah. Go ahead. Where, where's Where's gray live in the life cycle? Just right after white. Yeah. Like just like so so he he went to jujitsu for a year and they gave him a gray belt and then after and I was like afterwards the instructor walked up to him and goes, no one can ever take that from you you'll have that your whole life, and that hit me like a fucking ton of bricks I was like oh shit because we live in this world where everyone's like thinking they can choose their identity or they talk to kids about identity or what do you want to be or that my kid didn't have to do any of that he earned something at six years old himself. No one can ever take from him. You get to keep that your whole life. Not the belt per se, the physical belt, but the it's crazy. And so I felt like in my life, when the viewers bought that for me and organized that through with my wife, I felt like I earned it. Amazing. You Love know it. what I mean? From my yeah. peers and shit. It was it was crazy. I don't even know how to, like how do they even like go about doing that? That's really cool. Social media, Ben. We're all one big family. Yeah, but how do they do that without you knowing about it? Oh, manipulate my wife, Manip you know, <laughs> get my wife. You know what else? They bought me an 80 pound dumbbell in that. That's really cool. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, um, yeah, it was dope. How often do you use the 80 pound dumbbell? Uh, more often than I should. I, I want to work. I'm trying to work more often than I should. More often than I should. I, I, I want to, um, uh, I want to do, uh, uh, a workout where I it was strictly for ego reasons, like to show off for my Instagram. I want to do a strict muscle up hundred pound dumbbell workout, hundred pound dumbbell snatch workout with strict muscle ups Legit. because people just think I'm just like this fucking midget old man who like sits Amanda, behind a desk. Amanda with strict and hundred pound dumbbell. It'd be legit. Yeah. Way simple reps though. I'm thinking like two strict muscle ups, you know, uh, a dumbbell snatch in each hand, 10 rounds. But just right. kind of like a fuck you, look at me, look what I can do. But I got hurt using the 70-pound dumbbell. My, my so that's, that's, very, that's very CrossFit. So if you get hurt with a 70, skip to 80. Because so, it's not it's – the, it's the, the curse of the, the – there's certain weights that don't work. That is crazy. Uh, yeah. You see like athletes do that at competitions. Uh -huh. They miss like a, a, you know they're progressing up in snatches. They, right. go, they go 250. They miss 260. So they go straight yeah. to 270 and hit it. Yeah. It's like what? I was I was lowering a 70 with my left hand uh slow on purpose to try just to get I don't know more pump or more stimulus. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. And something hurt right there. So my right arm has progressed to the um 80, but my left arm is now back down to the 20. <laughs> <laughs>
But anyway, I'm committed. I, it's totally doable. Uh, good to have you. Thanks, buddy. Uh, where where are you sitting? I'm sitting in my office. In the gym is right there, um, Natick, Massachusetts. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Do, do yeah. you have a um uh, a workout that's kind of like your go to workout that's like you're not proud of but like in a pinch like it's eleven o'clock at night and you haven't done anything yet so you do it like for me it's um I'll do like uh ten ten minutes on the assault bike minimum hundred calories and then like uh twelve leg lifts on the minute for ten minutes you know what I mean where I just lay on my back and hold a D ball behind my head and lift my legs up like just really up and down so and I'm like all right and I'm sweaty and I'm like okay go to bed. Yeah, there's nothing I do at eleven o'clock. So no. All right. <laughs> you do you have anything you do that's just like just I a, have uh, like so if I'm like traveling, if I'm uh, traveling and I'm uh -huh. in a hotel gym, yeah. what I do is I just I, I run the dumbbell rack with different movements. So I, it's because you don't need any warm up. It's you use so like you start I literally start with five, I just did this last week when I was traveling. I start with the five pound dumbbells mm -hmm. and I'll do um like five pound uh, double dumbbell front squats. Okay. And yep. I'll do five of those and then I'll yep. go to the 10 pound, 15, 20. I'll work my way all the way up to the fifties. And when I get to the fifties or if there's seventies, whatever there is, then I'll do the same thing. But next it's with uh one arm presses, okay. five, 10, 15, 20. So that's, but my favorite kind of go-to if I'm just like to jump in and do a workout is, um, three rounds of Cindy, uh, and a 400 meter run and just mm. loop, loop through that as many times as you want. Mm. Okay. I feel like it gets everything. And there's, again, you don't need a, I like the idea of like what you're doing with the assault bike, things you can jump into that you don't need a warm up, right? Like, and you can kind of do basically brain dead and not hurt and not yeah. hurt yourself. Yeah. Basically, I'm trying, I'm at 51. I'm just trying not to hurt myself. 51, Savon. I did not know. Yeah. Crazy, right? Whoa. Looking good. I, man. Sha I shaved a little bit or else I'd have looked 75. Huh, I'm this comes in gray. As you can see on the sides too, it's like, I'm like um, reverse skunk. Ben, Ben, this is the third third time I think you've been on the show. Sounds right. Uh, on this particular show, and um, uh, great podcast for those of you who didn't listen to them. Uh, some of the more, some of the things that I like Ben for, superficial as they may be, uh, author of the book Chasing Excellence, um, uh, first coach. In the CrossFit space, he wasn't the first coach. Shut the fuck up. It's close enough if he was or if he wasn't. He's one of the first coaches. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, coach of the um, uh, the only coach in the history of CrossFit space to have two champions uh, in one year, uh, two crazy dominant, skillful uh, uh, athletes, uh, Matt Fraser and Katrin David's daughter. Um, and when I was in the back – um, him and Matt O'Keefe, when I would film the behind the scenes every year at the games, we formed a um, what I would think was a unique and pleasant and kind of charming, uh, simple relationship. I would mm -hmm. see them. It was always nice. We would kind of they, I would congregate with them. I would kind of that's where I would take my breaks. We would eat these. I would pass these out. Yep. <laughs> Dude, I remember. That's amazing. The Except they were the green ones then. Yes. The, the green ones. I don't have the green yeah. ones here. I apologize. <laughs> Um, and, and, and then, and then you went on and, and I knew your wife actually before you, because I went to, uh, I'm, I met her, uh, through the same thing. She was a top 10, uh, CrossFit games athlete. Um, I went to the IMG Academy with her, uh, in, early on went with a handful of other athletes and I, I bonded with her there. Uh, great lady, um, Heather, 
And then I also actually ironically or not ironically, but interestingly enough, I had the chance to work with one of your daughters every year um, who just, you know, every once in a while you meet a cool kid. Not a lot of them. Uh, and she was cool as shit. So I would get up at five in the morning, meet at the hotel and me and her and uh, Nicole Christensen would jump in Dave's car and spend the next 15 hours together. And we did that, you know, it's crazy. So cool. this, she was so cool. Yeah. So it's Maya and she's 23, 23. And, and this would be her, this will be her. She's been to 12 straight CrossFit games at age 23 and worked for HQ for all of those. What does she do now? The day I should say for not, she did not work for HQ. For, she worked for HQ or for us in Comtrain. Um, what is she so doing? She worked, for, she worked for us now. So she does all logistics for the athletes. Like, uh, rental cars, flights, hotel, setting up body work, um, getting meals, all that stuff. Oh, I'm so sorry, Maya. Maya, I, I, I hear you. We were at the top and now we're <laughs> fucking. <laughs> we were at the top, Maya. Uh, you know, hanging like, with you, TDC. You know, I. So I've had a lot of nostalgia over the last couple little bit uh -huh. and you, you started off with that you know behind the scenes you yeah. know literally the savant behind the scenes of those years of like 2012 2000 to 2016 ish those are pretty cool years savant it was uh it was it was you we really i mean i i felt like i was really a part of something really special that was growing, I wouldn't say exponentially, but certainly linearly every single year. And looking back on it, it was, it was true. Like those were really amazing years. And, you know, I, I, I've, I've tried to piece together why they felt so special and not to, you know, make, give you any more accolades than you need. But a big part of that was what you were doing with, with that behind the scenes, we were, you know, you think about what all the sports are doing now. And I say all the sports, but golf with full swing, F1 with drive to survive, tennis with point break. They're giving all of the viewers access behind the scenes to insight into what happens in these athletes' lives in normal everyday leading up to and at and during the, the biggest competitions. And you and HQ were doing that 10 years ago. They're all just starting to do it now. We were yeah. 10 years ahead of the curve. And that's a real, I, th I think that's why it was so easy to feel like you were a part of something, even if you were kind of like tangentially a part of this thing. You're just like getting into it as a fan because you got access to these athletes like you would never get in other sports. And, you know, on, on, you know, for what it's worth, it, that doesn't exist anymore. We, you know, but then we had Fittest Film, Road to the Games, and Savon's Behind the Scenes. And that, that kind of like trifecta, you got, you got engrossed into this because you got to meet what the What was the Fittest Tour, Ben? I don't remember that. I, I, oh, sorry, I mean, the Road to the films. Games was insane. That was Heber, Marzin, and Mariah. The Fittest Films. What was that? You know, like uh, um, World's Fittest, the 
Oh, oh okay. They so they would do those yeah. documentaries. The, the documentary, yeah. Like Dubai and, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, and it was really, that was an amazing, amazing time. And it was because of the meat, you know, it was because of a lot of things. But the media was, I think, at the forefront oh, of it. Sorry, I know what you're talking about. We would do the yearly documentaries. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then we had Road to the Games. Correct. And then we had the Behind the Scenes. Yeah, it was. It, that, through that, that, oh kind of like that, wow, wow. That, wow. A, that access to uh, the athletes in our sport, it was unprecedented then. I mean, the best, the closest I can think that came up to it was like the Ultimate Fighter for UFC. But that was only one show, and we were putting out three. That's pretty cool. And and uh and the I don't mean to uh, dog on the UFC, but the road to the games was was a thousand times better than UFC's embedded. Now I know they do embedded twelve times a year, but uh, Heber and Mars that they before every um pay per view event they have like a pay per view event every oh. month. And then the week prior to the pay per view pay per view event, you get to there's a ten minute video that comes out every day. Oh, got it. Where you're yeah. like back there with them while they're trying got to it. lose weight or facetiming yeah. with their kids, shit like that. Yeah. Hey, um, during during that time, um, there were athletes who gave me um, uh, and coaches that gave me more access than others. It, it, I, I no, nothing for uh, nefarious reasons. I think it was strictly. I don't know what the reason why is actually, but there were people like Josh Bridges, Rich Froning, um, uh, Katrin David's daughter, Annie Thor's daughter. Uh, um, there were just athletes, um, uh, Benny Garrard, uh, Travis Mayer, um, uh, usually men. It, it was a, it was rare that the women would would be as open as the men. Not that they were closed off, but they were uh, they were wound a little bit tighter. The women, would you say that's true? The women were are wound a little bit tighter at the event. Generally speaking, I would say generally speaking, yes. But there were people like Katrin and Annie who were not wound, so they they were more like kind of dudes. They could shoot the shit, crack jokes. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, competition's hard, and because competition's hard, it it tugs on emotions. And I think that females in general, okay, blast me if you want to, but I think they're they're an emotional you know, more emotional than most of the guys are. And the guys probably um, deal with stress a little bit differently than women do. Um, And that's probably why they get a little more closed off. But, you know, like there's a reason that, you know, I enjoyed coaching Catcher as much as I did because she wasn't that type of athlete as well. You know, um, I had never thought of this, but I had never seen – and I've seen a lot of men uh, start doing the weird yawning shit and, or like Matt go over to the bushes and start gagging. I, I never actually saw any women do that. You're, they just go way in. They seem like they would go way inside. Whereas the men would sort of express it more like, I mean, Josh was, would just start talking crazy shit. Josh was entertaining. Yeah. Um, Rich would talk some crazy shit. Uh, Matt Fraser would start, you know, like feel like he's going to throw up. Um, so yeah, may, maybe women internalize it and men it comes out. But did you ever see any women like going over to the bushes and gagging or, or having any kind of those outward manifestations? Maybe um, Sam Briggs talked. She got a little talkative, ch- chatty Kathy. Yeah, uh, it's funny that when the guys feel stressed, they get chatty because you know I, I think that I'm the opposite of that. Um, and the women, I think. It just 
they manifest the emotions more. Like I don't think you see as many guys crying between events and that's not a rare thing for the female side at all. So I think it's just the way it, it, it comes about, you know, someone in the comments wrote, um, uh, Ben Bergeron's doing a, um, media tour. I do, I do. It does seem like he's been on a lot of shows. Ben did not contact me, by the way. I reached out to Ben and Sousa reached out to Ben and asked him to um, come on the show. So he, he, it's not like he's, I, I don't know. It doesn't matter whether he is or isn't, but I just wanted to be uh, clear. Uh, Wad Zombie, a zero access to athletes now unless you run them down on the way to the athlete area. Ben, uh, this was not how the show was supposed to start. Um, you said in your interview with Talking Elite Fitness, that you think CrossFit, I want to use your exact words because maybe we're on the same page, but I think we're not on the same page. You think it's the most stable it's, it's ever been. Um, and I think it's the least stable it's ever been. Yeah. It's, it's, and uh, so I was like, wow, this is, that's a a cool, um, I'm, I'm open, I'm open to it being the most stable. Okay. And, And I'm open to having a proximity bias to things that would make me think that it's the least stable. But, but I'm so curious what, how and why we see it so differently or what you use as a, as a marker for thinking it's the most stable. I could be mischaracterizing what you're saying. I'm not quoting you. you yeah. Maybe you didn't use the word stable. Um, if I use the word stable, that was probably, that was probably misspoken Okay. because um, I don't believe it's most stable. I believe that they have as good of a foundation for the competitive season as they've ever had. Okay. Okay. And you know what? You did say it has the best foundation it's had. And then you didn't say for the competitive season, but all the examples you gave were in regards to the competitive season. I I, want to say something to scratch your back here. And you said something so fascinating there that I'd never fucking heard before. When, when this, uh, this year and last year, I don't know if it's the year before, but 10% of all the best open athletes individual go on to the, quarterfinals yep and you say something in that interview i think it's with tommy or or you say with patrick um cummings that maybe it is patrick cummings you say how fantastic is that because now we have 10 percent of the people now these are my words i'm twisting your words a little bit who think they're competitive no that's, who, that's my words I oh said okay yeah. i thought you yeah. said who are competitive i'm, I'm yeah. I, I threw and think they're competitive but yeah. um that's fucking great. And you're like, who wouldn't want that? I'm like, yeah, that is great. Yeah. So that I actually think it's great. More, it's, so it's what they've done is they've exactly that. So this is why I think the foundation. So let's, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, sit on this one for a little bit. I think that the competitive season is established. I don't think that they, everyone's talking about like, they need to have the tour, like they should bring in Dubai and Waterpalooza, which go on this, all this, we have the, the, the funnel. You have the open, literally the biggest, as far as I know, biggest participatory events in the world. Then that goes, boils down to a quarters, semis, and games, four stages. Like, I don't think we need a whole lot more than that. We could talk about it. But what they've done a phenomenal job of is prior to this, there was only the people that were trying to get to semifinals that were, quote, competitive athletes, which is... I mean, you could throw all those people into my gym. Like it's a tiny number. It's and what they've done with the quarterfinals is said top ten percent. So 
everyone's striving for that. And if you make that, you're a competitive athlete. Like yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah. And yeah. that's a cool thing to be able to identify as. But it's yeah. not only here's what it's not only the ten percent. Because if you finished and they've done this percentile, you get a percentile ranking now. You're in the nineteenth percentile. Those people are not going. Oh, I'm not competitive. They're going. Oh, next year. I'm on 19th percentile. I didn't realize I was even that close. Next year, I can make it to quarterfinals. And what they've done is they've given them a carrot. Yeah. We all want something to chase. Yeah. We, it's like we all want that. It's the dopamine. It's the it's the goal. It's the we want that accolade. We want that um, that achievement, and we want to be able to I, to take the next step up the competitive ladder. So what they've hey. done for all these people is we've gone from. A, a, a few hundred athletes to if there's literally from a few hundred athletes that make the semifinals to not just 10% of 400,000, but 20% of 400,000. They went from a few hundred athletes to 80,000 athletes that identify as competitive. Meaning all That's, the ones who made it inside the fence and then the ones who are clinging to the oh, fence. Exactly right. Okay. Yep. That's a big thing. Now, that's what I mean in terms of the foundation has probably never been as solid in terms of a season. Okay. In terms of the actual the games, business of- is, the business is unraveling. I think, like, yeah, uh, like, like, it, like they got they're in trouble. I believe. I think. I believe. All right. So here's we just talked about this from the first few years of the games were neat interesting, fun, right? So, you know, we can kind of call that like CrossFit Games 1.0. And I would it a, say- that, It was a crazy party. It was meeting people that yes. you, you saw their scores in the in the blog. And I would say that that would even carry through to the first year at the StubHub Center. Sure, fair. You know, so 2010. You know, when Reebok came in, we'll call it 11, 12, 13, like that's a big step up. Instead of the winner getting, you know- <laughs> a a $500 gift card to rogue. You know, it's like, this is something that these guys can live off of for a year. And I would call that 2.0 and 2.0 was dope to be a part of because it was you doing the media stuff every year. The, the soccer stadium is getting fuller. The tennis stadium is full. And Um, and it was still gritty. It was was still like some fuck you thrown around. Yeah. Cause it was still like, it was still like, you think you're the best come and prove it here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, that was a really cool, and I would say that was like 2012 to 2016 ish. Um, that was a, re- and again, I really believe a lot of that had to do with the media that was surrounding this thing and the interest. So I would call that Cro- CrossFit Games 2.0. I would say CrossFit Games 3.0 is Madison, you know, and I would say that we're, if we're in 3.5 or 4 right now, I don't know. I haven't seen much growth. I really haven't. I mean, from 2017 to today, and yeah, there's an asterisk in there with COVID because COVID messed things up, but we're past that now. I think it's been flatline at best and probably down. And, you know, HQ- There's a chance there might be half as many affiliates now, Ben, as there were in 2018. Well, let's just stay on the game thing. Like, forget about the affiliates, but like, just on the game side of things. Well, don't you think that's the fuel for it? I mean, no, I don't. Okay, okay, I don't. 
I, I think that this is a sport. So I don't think the NFL relies on Pop Warner. I just don't. I don't think the NFL relies on high school football. The NFL is the NFL. And they're going to get the freaks and the monsters. And as long as they're putting on a great broadcast, the big overweight dads sipping the, you know, not sipping, chugging the Bud Lights in the parking lot and going in and losing their minds. And that's going to be there. And I feel like it's the same thing with if, if CrossFit's relying on the affiliate model to support the games, I think that's totally misguided. Now, I think that they need to rely on the affiliate model to support CrossFit. You know, that's like the, the business model is get people to get affiliated and take certifications. It used to be, it used to be a three-headed, this is my take from the outside, the revenue streams were three, three, three legs of the stool. The affiliates paying the yearly affiliate, affiliate licensing fee, getting people to take the seminars from level one to level four and all the SME specialty certs. And back then it was signing up for, you know, uh, the CrossFit journal and, oh. um, the journal the games was revenue. It just wasn't profit. You could throw the games in there too. It generated a shitload of revenue, but just no profit. Okay. That was the problem. Uh, it, it, it was a wash, right? Yeah. Bring in 30 wash. million and throw out 30 million. Yeah. Um, um, we disagree wholeheartedly on there. I don't think the NFL does exist without pop Horner, but I don't want to turn really? this whole show into that. Yeah. Why? But, but, tell me, no, no. Let's tell me about that. <laughs> How? Um, I, I, I think if you just, if you made football so that, um, uh, it, it's, it's the funnel, it's the funnel. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't want to say it's an organic funnel, but it's an organic funnel. The, the pop Warner, the high school football, the college football, all of that is, is the same as our, um, uh, L1 training affiliates, um, wanting to work out, uh, the soccer moms going to the gym. I think it's all. That's what it is. And that's why I think events do so um, – events that miss that piece um, do so poorly. So I think that's why regionals did so well because they really attracted the funnel. No, I think regionals did so well because they were regionals. Right, right. No, no, and meaning, that's one meaning, of the pieces meaning, that attracted them to the funnel, that they were no, regional. Right. So meaning – So that like, all of Invictus could, could come. Yeah, I could drive to yes. that thing. So yeah. We're in Massachusetts. Regionals was in Albany, New York, a two-hour drive. People could day trip it or overnight it. Right. Now, our athletes go to Orlando. Nope. Like, we had right. four people from our gym go down to Orlando. Right. Whereas before, we had 4D. And, and so I think everywhere in the United States, everywhere, there's a, a huge Pop Warner program. There's a huge high school program. There's a huge college program. And that those people are interested in, uh, in professional football because of that. Yeah, I, I, I don't no. know. I think that uh, – You think that people go many, there – but uh, don't get me wrong. No, I don't no, want to no, poo-poo on the athleticism to, I, and the quarterbacks no, and all I that. I love like, that. The, the sport needs the sport. Of course, we need a funnel for athletes. But we don't need the, the sport for fans. Like how many football fans played high school in football? My wife, Heather – loves to watch we don't miss a patriots game we like we watch every single minute of every single game she's never put on pads before so she's a fan even though she didn't play it and that's why the I, nfl I has done you. such a great job is they're not just looking for people that play the sport we're never going to get there that way we're never if the goal is a hundred million ufc 
UFC. I don't, you don't agree with need... you. I don't agree with you. Th- I don't agree with you there. By the way, I don't think how we look. I don't agree with you there about maybe we never get there. By the way, we no, we can get there. We're not going to get there if we're relying on the people that are going to be our fans need to be doing this thing. We need to get the people outside of our sport, like golf is doing, like Formula One. Formula One exists. Right. right. Formula One. No exists one's doing without, Formula One. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Exactly right. UFC, but everyone does drive a car. Fine. Everybody. Everyone squats. Everyone presses things above their head. Right. Right. So. I wish I could offer you one. I wish I could offer you one. <laughs> Can you smell my breath through this? Is that no? Problem? I can't. <laughs> I never offered it to you because I could smell your breath too. You guys were too tall. I never smell your breath. <laughs> hey, um, I, I, the 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 three of the most sports that I thought were the most boring sports in the history of the world were golf, baseball, and tennis. And my kids play tennis, and um, I'm fascinated by tennis now. Tennis is a cool game. Yeah, I'll stop. If I like do- it. But tennis is doing the thing, right? They have point break. They have the, they're getting you behind the scenes. They're telling the story of the athletes. They're pumping media into this thing. So here's like that back to that full circle. I, I think it's time for, because we've been flatlined for seven years um, and probably track chenning down. I feel like CrossFit HQ has had the shot to do this thing. And it's not happening. I think that they should spin this thing off, license it out to a, uh, a media company, um, like IMG or like what, you know, when Dana White came in, he eventually turned this the UFC into a media company. Like, uh, they could just like, bring like me ben back, but Ben, they could yeah. bring me back and I could change it in, in three years. No, you're not enough. You're helpful. You're not enough. I'm you're, I could you, do it you, in you three be, years. Um, I could run the media department for three years and the whole thing would be fucking or like, changed. or like what F1 has done. F1 sold to a media company and they create this drive to survive or like I'm disgusted what live, that you don't think I'm enough. Live golf, <laughs> live golf, just bought the PGA and you, you or you sell this one of these massive uh, uh, sports funds that are pumping money into the growth of these sports that understand also we might need, just like golf did, not a wholesale um, revamp, but we need to get some new ideas into how this thing is broadcast. Because watching regionals, watching a lot of the events is not, um, not exciting unless you know what they're actually doing because you do this thing. Do you know who's in charge of media at CrossFit HQ? Do you know them? Do you know who it is? I don't. Like in your no, no. Do you? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's um. It is. I, I say this uh, with zero respect, but all sincerity. <laughs> it is the. It, it, it is the dumbest, most uncap, unqualified, incapable, worst visionary, um, angry, egomaniac simpletons I've ever known in my life. It is so, and I, I, it's 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 beyond bad. It, I don't even I I don't even know. I, I feel sorry for Don because I like Don. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's it's like it's like it's it's bad. It's 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 like seeing someone wetting their pants up on stage and they don't know it. It's <laughs> it's um. Uh, extra sloppy. Congrats and good luck, Ben. Hey, but um, e- either way, the discussion that we're having needs to happen. I, I, I don't um, – and, and the cool thing Agreed. is is that um, b- both of 
there, both of those, whatever the root is, both what you and I are suggesting can be done at the same time with no uh, uh, ill effects. The community can be supported internally more and then it can be presented to the outside world better yeah. simultaneously. Yeah, I'm There's not no, saying, yeah, the, the, we need to support the affiliates as well. That needs right, to happen right. in, in, a, in a big, big way. Um, I've yet to see it. I think that uh, overseas, they are getting a little more support. I, I talked to affiliate owners over there and the, like the, the model is set up a little bit better over there, I believe. But, um, you know, I, I would love to see I, I think that's what HQ should be should be in place for is to support the affiliates. That's what the model seems to be. Um, yeah, Comp Train. T tell me what um, Comp Train it is, please. Yeah, uh, Comp Train is a training platform for people that believe training hard is a necessary ingredient to be the best versions of themselves. When I uh, – yesterday I listened to uh, three podcasts you were on and, or three interviews you did uh, in, in the last like – Doing research. Week, well in the last week. And this is what I – my one of my takeaways. You are – at first my takeaway is, oh, he's he he's going to – he wants to build Comp Train into uh, CrossFit 2.0, uh, hmm. community, affiliates, programming. But, the, but I never saw – I never saw where the competition was. And then that, then I, as I started, you know, walking around my house last night, I'm like, oh, that's why you're so excited about this 10% because comp train isn't about starting CrossFit 2.0 necessarily, although it, it will be positioned to do that, poised to do that. If something were to happen to CrossFit, what you're interested in doing is catering to the reason why you're putting Cole in charge of these few is because you want to uh, pull out a bigger net and cater to these 20%, to these 80,000 people, right? And and I think if I heard you right, it's not the people who do CrossFit three days a week and it's not the elite CrossFitters. It's that swath in between. That's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. Minus the, um, the CrossFit 2.0. I love CrossFit. I hope CrossFit – I'm a CrossFit affiliate. I've been a disciple and supporter. You know this from like from day one. It's been a long, long time. I want, and the reason I I'm, I want to speak critically about it is because I want to see the improvements. I want it to thrive. I want this thing to be something that I'm so proud to be a part of. And I, CompTrain can coexist with them for sure. It's the bigger pie, um, not not who's getting what slice. But you're also correct in I want to create a, a platform that has the ability to speak to people in that, yes, we still want to help people get to and hopefully win the CrossFit Games. That doesn't go away. But we want to use this platform to help people, re, you know, regardless of what your goals are, if it's to summit a 4,000 peak, if it's to do BJJ, if it's to be a better soccer dad, if it's to push off decrepitude and disease – if it's to have a six pack, if it's to run a sub uh, eight minute mile, if whatever, it's a platform that you can use to become the best physical version of yourself. And here's one of the ways we're doing that. That's a little bit unique that has not been done yet is I'm a big believer that when people do things together, they go farther, they go faster. It's a reason that, you know, armies march together in unison 
they found that when art, I mean, what a bad model, right? Like you're just a sitting duck. You're like in formation, like just drop one, you know, RPG and the whole thing goes, why would you ever do that? Why would you not scatter and everyone get there together? Because they found that when they go together, they go farther and faster. If we train together, we will get results better. Savon, if me and you are doing, and CrossFit figured this out on day one, like if we do the same workout of the day, that level of, call it what you want, camaraderie or competition will make us go just a little bit harder, will give us a little bit more accountability, will give us a little bit more incentive to show up tomorrow. I was working out yesterday in the garage, and in the middle of the workout, I had something I needed to write down for this podcast I was going to do with you. And if there was someone in the room, I would have never done that. Exactly. But since right. no one was watching, I stopped okay. my workout so here's and, what, and wrote it down. So we, now we have this twofold approach. So it's, it's, that's the first one. That's, we need to start with that principle. If you go farther you, together, farther, faster. Okay, from there. With the presupposition have, that that's better, which I'm okay yes. with. Okay, from there. We have to have this understanding that people train in different environments. Some people are training in the garage like you are. Some people are training in affiliate like I am. 60% of our users train in their garage. So, Oh, you comp train users? Comp train, yep. Okay. So how do we get them to train together? Well, you have to create a platform. And the, the way to do that is if we, if we get them in real life, awesome. We'll get there in a second. But we got to create a platform that they're doing the same workouts together. Cool. So we've done that. So every day, this is not revolutionary at all, but everyone's doing the same thing. But you might have, you know, like you said, 30 minutes at 11 o'clock before you go to bed, I might have two hours that I've carved out in the morning. How do we get to do the same thing? Well, what we've done is instead of because you're doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and I'm trying to train to fight off, you know, disease and be a great soccer dad. Uh, not that you're not doing that as well. We can do the same thing because when you come into the platform, it asks you how much time do you have to train today? Right. And it's going to give you the most impactful training session that you have for the time that you have. And we're going to overlap that as much as possible, starting with the most impactful thing. And then from there, you go out towards the accessory work and the other tangential things that we can kind of like build into this thing. So now we have people training in different spots doing the same thing based off of how much time they have available. And you could do 30 minutes today and two hours tomorrow and the train is not going to bump and run into each other. Now what you have is people potentially doing this in their garages, but we have hundreds and hundreds of comp train affiliates, like comp train, comp train CrossFit gyms, comp train gyms that follow our programming. So you can find these gyms. It's really cool. You can find these gyms on our app. And now this person that's been doing this in their garage can go, oh my God, I didn't realize there was a comp train gym nine, nine miles from me. And vice versa, you have somebody in the affiliate following this that now has access to so much more of a platform than they would get just in their app. So we have a, in the app, you have a, a worldwide platform and a gym platform that you can toggle between the two. And oh. It, Got and, it. and in this, so you can be like, hey, I'm just going to message board inside my affiliate. I'm going to check out the leaderboard inside my affiliate. But I also want to jump out and see how I rank in the worldwide leaderboard. I want to jump out and see Ben's mindset minute that he like every single day posts. I want to jump out and um, check out the university and learn more things that 
you know, what might help me make me a better athlete, a better person. So now you're part of something bigger than just the affiliate as well. So it's kind of this layered approach of it starts with, we got to do these things together, but understanding people are doing this in different environments and giving the people this opportunity to overlap into a, a bigger community that speaks the same truths. And we don't say think the same truths as everybody, but we do believe certain things. And if you believe those things, this is a, this is a place for you. And, and the reason why you are um, shifting positions is to dedicate more time to this vision yeah. as opposed to being just locked in on a handful of athletes. Yeah, I've spent the last 15 years in a full-time job working with four to six athletes at a time. And, and, and uh, uh, on one end, you got um, Chris Spieler, uh, Becca Voigt. Maybe yeah. I think Becca was maybe the first ten-time athlete. Um, uh, Michelle Latondra, and then in, in more modern times, uh, you had Fraser, Katrin, uh, Brooke Wells, Cole Sager. Yep. Um, in in your interview with Patrick Cummings, Patrick Cummings says something to you like, uh, "Comtrain's been through a lot of changes in the last fifteen years." And you stop him, and I think you switch to the word, not changes, uh, it's an evolution. And there, it, it, you, as you, you had a shitload of high-profile athletes in the last, I don't know, I guess since the beginning. There wasn't anyone more high-profile than, than Spieler, right? Um, as that camp got really big, and then, and then it's, it seemed – and, and this just from the out, this is from the outside that there was a bit of an exodus, that it was um, Chandler, uh, Miss Katrin, uh, Amanda, e even the head coach, uh, uh, Pally, Pally, Harry. Yep, Harry. Um, uh, I don't know if I said Chandler Smith, Amanda Barner. There seemed uh, Sam Quant. This seemed like that there was a, a Brooke Wells. There were, like that there was just a, a lot of athletes who left. Was is that hard? Well, a couple questions. Did something happen there? Did you guys change your vision? Was there a fight? Why do athletes shift? Was it not? Is it being mischaracterized to say that it was all of a sudden? Um, and is that hard for you? Like because once you get to the top, there's no, I mean, there's nowhere to go but down after you have Katrin and Fraser. If your metric is champions, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Um, yeah. So I would say that. Uh... You know, okay, uh, was it all of a sudden? No. Um, Chris Spieler left. Be uh, Chris Spieler retired. Okay. Um, Becca left. Becca continued to compete. Um, you know, so it wasn't that uh, this all of a sudden thing. I think it's the nature of. I mean, the guys towards the end. I mean, like yeah. the, the, the Quant, Katrin, Chandler. Uh, there's this, there's this narrative that, oh shit, something went wrong over there. Yeah. Um, we, de we did uh, shift gears. Um, the, com the company did. The company did. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so, so it was mutual. Okay. There was less of a place for them. There was less of a place for them maybe, or it wasn't as um, uh, elite athlete centric. Uh, no, it was still elite athlete centric. And I think that we, you know, we did a pretty darn good job, even like, in the, and you, you did, know, I don't mean to poo poo as, it. Yeah, no, no. Uh, but I, like, um, you know, 
uh, two games ago, we had two silver place finishes. And, and you know, who were those? Katrin and um, Sam. Right. You know, awesome. so, um, so, so you- we, but, but, but I don't want to beat around the bush. So here, let's, let's talk like, um, we had a really nice trajectory, a really nice run where we were, um, lead dog and, you know, uh, we were in what I would call a, a blue ocean, meaning there, you know, we could kind of like play around and do what we wanted to do. Um, and there wasn't a lot of competition. They're just, that's, that's the nature of the reality of the situation. Um, you know, I say that there wasn't a lot, but there was, and people just don't remember this. Even when we, you know, I'm, I'm getting a lot of credit for starting the first camps. I don't think that's, I was, I was one of the first, but back in the day, it was comp train, OPEX and, um, Rudy's thing. What was his outlaw outlaw? Right. So those were the original ones. Um, comp train just happened to outlast those guys in that, in this space a little bit, but then it became comp train Invictus and NorCal. And those were like the things. And then NorCal and I don't want to say Invictus didn't, but Invictus put more effort into team stuff. I would, I'll just say that, but CJ still doing a great job. NorCal went into the, the affiliate side of things. And then it became more comp, then, you know, they kind of went away and it became more like comp train, brute, and probably. Always, and Mayhem was always there. I was going to say, Mayhem, yeah, yeah. Mayhem kind of, no, Mayhem, this was when Mayhem started to come about, was when, um, you know, Rich was kind of like towards the end of his individual career and starting the team thing, Mayhem started to pop up. Then it became um, Mayhem stuck around, Brute is still in the game. But the bigger ones became, you know, uh, HWPO, Proven, um, you know, those type of things. So, and those two are so new that we don't even know if they're going to be flashing the pan. So we just don't know. So right. I'm not saying that they will be. I think Matt's right. putting a lot of energy and effort into this. I think that he's doing a phenomenal job. Shane is a great games coach. I don't think Tia would be where she is today without Shane. Um, so I think that they, I don't think that they'll be flashes in the pan. What I, what I want to um, – what we tried to do was – One bad tweet, Ben, and they're gone. One bad tweet. <laughs> what, what my vision was – because I, I saw where the sport was going, and this is 2019-ish, um, just before we had two silver place finishes, was let's, let's, go, let's go really deep into these individual athletes. Let's really do this thing. So instead of doing this with just Katrin here, we invited these athletes to move here to help support the athletes through the move. We, we tried to help, help them. We, we gave them monthly stipends to help pay with pay. We, and to do that, you know, we, we took on some money and we went and we hired a CEO to help try to create uh, an academy. And we really tried to make this thing really, really professional. When we did that, uh, we we lost our way a little bit. We lost the the ethos of what we were, what we had been from day one, and uh, we became a little bit corporate, and we became a little bit bottom line centric. 
when you're in the midst of it, you don't see it in real time. It takes some hindsight and perspective to realize where you are and what you're doing. And the sport also didn't grow um, in line with the vision and the plan that we had. So had, you know, I thought I, right before COVID, I was like, this thing's going like we were on this upward trajectory. Um, you know, bigger brands were coming to the space, you know, monster and all this other stuff. Um, and we were just early and the sport flatlined and we couldn't get the, the, um, as we were spinning to more like this growth, 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 growth. Um, it, 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 it wasn't us and we couldn't support the athletes the way that we wanted to. So there's a misalignment of expectations and reality. And that's never a, a positive thing. And athletes left um, because it wasn't this academy thing that we were hoping to build. And um, I was getting torn between being a full-time coach and trying to get the, the business to be where the business needs to be to support an academy type situation. And um, this is why I've spun back into what is the best way we can do to move this thing forward the right way. And it's to find a blue ocean, which um, I think that we are doing a really good job in putting the right people in the right spots. And it's Cole taking over elite coaching. And it's me going back to um, turning the comp train business into what I believe it can and should be. Um, uh, thank you for sharing all that. Would you even use the word there was a, a, a cultural change during that hiccup? 100%. Did, did, did this process wound you? Yeah. Like, yeah, it wounded you. Yeah. Yeah. The, the way you described it sounded like it wounded you. Yeah. It's, um, I'm, I want to be like you got hurt. I, I, I want to build something awesome. Yeah. That's a, I, I want to build something amazing. That's my like dream. That's my litmus test. Like, am I proud of this thing? Um, and when we went into growth mode, which was intentional and was a conscious decision, it was like, I had the conversation with Harry, the business partner it was like, Hey, do we want to keep this thing, this lifestyle business, which is awesome and amazing. And we both knew it at the time and we could, Hey, we sat down. I can remember the lunch that we had. We had this amazing Harry's the coach guy. Harry's the yep. coach, right? Okay. And he's the guy that helped me build this thing. And mm -hmm. we had this conversation of, do we want to continue to do this as a lifestyle thing? Or do we want to moonshot this and go? And we were like, let's, let's, I was like, we, and we both decided we've, we've built an amazing lifestyle business. Let's see if we can do this thing because it's a challenge and we love challenges. So we went for it and we hired, we hired a CEO, a CMO, a CFO, a head of business development. We hired the entire C-suite. We went from six employees to 19. Wow. Wow. In six months. <clears throat> and that's when things shifted. And today we're back to six employees we've got wow, that must be a crazy six are you ever going to tell that whole story in detail 
I feel like I'm doing it now, but like, I guess there's a lot of stuff between the lines. You are doing it. You are doing it. Um, uh, was it hard wrestling it back? Did you say wrestling it? Wrestling. Yeah. I've always wow. wanted to say it like that. Like right, instead of wrestling, wrestling. Yeah. Was it's it super hard? hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, um, you, the hardest, but thing you did to, get it back. Did you almost lose comp train? Yep. Probably. Yep. Fuck yep. dude. Are you out? Are you out the other side? Uh, I don't think if you're, if you're running a business the right way, I don't think you should ever feel like you're out the other side. It's kind of <laughs> like, right. it's, it's okay. like w w in 2017 was CrossFit out the other side. I think everyone would have gone, yup. Look like, yup. Right, right, right. You right. know, like Noble is Noble out the other side. I'm going to go, yup. Just laid off 30%. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't think, and it's the same thing if you're an athlete, should you ever go like, okay, we're there. We made it. Like, Matt does that for one year and he's not the champion, you know, a gazillion years in a row. So, uh, are we out the other side? No, I'm, I'm going to say no. And I hope that I never say yes. Okay. Uh, fair, fair enough. What, wow. Th th that's a fucking journey you've had. Hey, did, um, were you, that sounds really uh, like you had a really stressful two years. Uh, yeah. And that's the difference between, to me, that's one of the big difference between lifestyle and growth. And I'm a guy that wants to be, um, you know, my highest measure of success is on my deathbed, looking back, going, did I do everything the right way? Make, you know, put my efforts, energy into the right things. And, you know, in order to do that, you have to live a life in line with your values and principles. And my values and principles is, um, build awesome teams, build awesome individuals, build an awesome community. And during that time, I think we, we moved away from that a little bit. So your that was story, stressful. Yeah. So that was your stressful. story stressed me out. I'm, I'm not lying. going to lie to you. Your story, <laughs> your story fucking stressed me out. Um, but I'm so like, yeah, there's this saying like, once how you hear excited someone, am I, like yeah. how exciting am I for this next evolution this next thing because i couldn't believe I, I couldn't imagine a more aligned brand product and community for what we're driving and striving to create right now i don't know how else i would i, I can envision creating something that's exactly what i want to create uh, um uh is, is, it, is it going back is, – is part of it going back to your – well, you're not going back to your roots. Are you no, going back going, to your roots? Yes, it's it, going back it to is, roots. It yeah. is going back to roots. Yeah. I mean we went from six people to 19 and we're back to six. Yeah. You know, we went from like let's build an awesome team. Let's build an awesome community. Let's uh, make people feel incredibly valued and special when they come into this, this little tribe, this little network. Um, that's – hundred percent what we're trying to do again. Um, uh, this is going back a little bit. Anthony TPA has any athlete competed at the CrossFit games that didn't start at an affiliate. You have to play ball at a small age to become elite in the pros. And Matt Fraser. He didn't start at an affiliate. He, he trained in the back room of an affiliate. Uh, Jason Watkins, I disagree with Ben about a lot. He's hitting some cold, hard facts today. Oh, that's so sweet. 
That's so sweet. Uh, uh, ben is still full of himself. I uh, love it. I, I've sensed none. I've sensed none of him being full of himself. What What are you doing? What are you doing? Don't do that. He's he's um. Uh, David Reed, Sevon is like your bitter ex girlfriend. I I want to validate. I want to say that there's some there, but I'm not. I um. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I fell so far behind in the comments. Cause I like to put the people who pay. I like to pull up their shit. So now I'm like uh, scrolling down. Okay, here we go. Uh, Eaton Beaver Sevon, any CrossFit coach knows how you train based off how fast you feel fall apart in burpees with Hill. Sevon. Oh, okay. This guy's saying Sevon, any CrossFit coach knows how you train based, how fast you fell apart in the burpees with Hiller. Listen, asshole. I was fucking, I, I'd been drinking all day. Make myself vulnerable and you tell me. I have fucking world-class burpees. Did 15 two minutes last year. On, and go check my Instagram. Ding dong. That's the only thing I'm good at. It's like telling me I'm fucking ugly when the only thing I have is my looks. <laughs> okay, here we go. Alyssa, guys, Stefan, quit looking at comments and get back to the interview. That This is the interview. This is This is like the fun part. Everyone just gets to take a deep breath. I scheduled another guest for three minutes. I haven't fucking heard from him. Um, ben, you're excited. You're invigorated. I'm excited and invigorated. Um, why? Um, why? And, and you went public with this with the uh, Cole Sager uh, announcement as um, uh, head of training uh, the elite athletes. Um, was any party like, hey, let's just do it quietly. Let's not announce it. Yeah, yeah. There's there's always that I. Uh, that idea. Um, but I, I think it's always nice to, you know, align expectations, you know? So I think it'd be strange if all of a sudden, you know, Ben wasn't showing up to events with his competitive athletes. That would seem weird. So why not just like, let everyone know. Then on YouTube will start speculating what what they'll start saying you have AIDS or something. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited for you. I've always appreciated, uh, your transparency. Um, uh, you, uh, I, I, I think, um, I, th- I think I've always thought your heart was in the right place. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for you. Uh, you said something in one of the interviews, I think it was with talking elite fitness or Patrick, where you said relationships are really important to you. And, uh, that's cool. I think that that's a good uh, moral compass to, to keep people um, as long as you can maintain your integrity. By no means am I saying that you ever didn't do that. But but your buddy Matt O'Keefe's good at that, too. Yep. Um, I've rubbed up yep. against him in, in, in the wrong way a few times, and I, I could tell he values relationships. He's not willing to just burn relationships because uh, someone, you know, yeah. accidentally peed on his campfire. Uh so anyway, thanks for being you, and uh, I, I hope to have you on again. I'm excited for you, and let me know if there's anything I can do for you. You're, you're killing thanks, it, dude. Yeah, yeah you're you're a staple in the community, and uh, anyone who doesn't see that the the importance of having oak trees like you just continuing to just fucking dig roots in deeper is uh is missing your value. You're you're vital. It's a bunch of oak trees like that that's kind of keeping the hill from sliding uh, into the ocean. <laughs> Beautiful analogy. Thank you, Thank Sean. You. Thank you. All right, brother. Uh, Please say hi to your wife. Say hi to your daughter. And uh, I'll talk to you soon.
Cool. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Okay. Bye. I could have had him on for two more hours. I mean, I don't know if he would have stayed. I'd have loved to have had him on for two more hours. Ben Bergeron. Wow. I fucking love him. I like him. I like. Oh, look. Holy shit. There he is. Oh, how are you? Will. Yeah. What's up, buddy? Good to see you. Good. I was, I was preparing for a no-show. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with who you are. Okay. It's just in my own head, my own uh, short man insecurities, my own insecurities. <laughs> no, I was trying to get my um my better camera working, but it's not. So, the Moss Bueno camera. Yeah, yeah. So, but the the one on my computer seems pretty good. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you to William Roosh. Roosh. Thank you. Yeah. But look, we're already. Uh, simpatico we're already working together will roosh has some serious uh, uh issues like myself um he wants to be open and yet uh he keeps uh, he's he's just tripping balls on what the democrats are doing he wants <laughs> to be open he wants to be so fucking bad he wants to be uh his interviews are like all the people that i dream to interview um uh an affinity for black women. Tons of black women guests. That's true. Fucking A. I mean, uh, really, for some reason, for some reason, I don't know why, some of the most powerful creatures on the planet happen to be women, vaginas with melanated skin, like this lady. What was this lady? Oh, name? Megan McGlover? Yeah. <laughs> She's dope. What a beast. Cool. Powerhouse. Yeah, uh, cool. uh, lesbian woman uh, accused of being a homophobe. Uh, yeah. Where does she show up on uh, Mr. Williams' Uh, podcast um uh hot wife you got a hot like like puerto rican wife <laughs> it's filipino you're, yeah and you're kind of a, a dorky white dude so like you check that box he got this cool lady cool as shit uh talking to her about uh, what it's like being a uh a melanated vagina that's conservative uh, brit caldwell yeah Brittany caldwell yeah she's a fellow teacher yeah oh she is mm-hmm. uh, at, at a public school Yes, public school in uh, Atlanta, but she left last oh, year. But yeah, she was. Of course, she did. A three-year national average for uh, public school teachers. What a shame. Yeah. Okay, so here you had someone on. Here you had someone on. Uh-huh. We'll dig into this lady. This was. Uh, I had problems with her. Bronte Rebzik. Oh my God! How, th- how did you get her? There comes a point where I like you, and it starts swerving over into like jealousy. I'm like William. Oh, Africa, how- Africa Brooke. How are you getting these people on your show? <laughs> and the list and the list goes on and on. He got a picture in here with Jordan Peterson just swinging his dick around. Um, yeah, you 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 are absolutely killing it. Okay, now that we've established that, let's go back a little bit. Okay. Um, where were you born? Uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, like Eastern Pennsylvania. Okay. And, uh, and, and, and you have kids? I do. I have three sons. Yeah. No shit. Me too. Yeah. What, what, we, we really are alike. Mm-hmm. Oh shit. Wow. Uh, the two six-year-olds and an eight-year-old. Oh my gosh. I have an eight and a six and then a one. Holy cow. Yeah. You see, I just didn't have the twins, but yeah, I have an eight and a six too. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. What a shitty researcher. And, um, and, and were you married? But did you? Are they all with the same girl? Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Very traditional. <laughs> yeah. And, and were you married before you had kids? 
Uh, we were, yeah. yeah. Wow, I didn't do that. I, I did that. I got her pregnant. I got her pregnant first. Uh, and I'm glad I'm married. Are you glad you're married? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we got a good thing going so far. <laughs> yeah, I'm crazy glad I'm married. I didn't. I didn't think I would. Um, I didn't think I would enjoy it. And and um, and your parents. Um, are your parents uh, first generation? Are your parents immigrants? No, no, we're like <laughs> way, 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 way back, like pre-revolution, like super American. Yeah. Are Are they still together? Yeah, they're still together. They broke up for a couple of years because they're crazy, but then they got back together. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. And and um and and do you have siblings? I do. I have one older sister. She's two years older than me. She lives in Me too. Me Florida. too. Really? Me too. Older sister, two years older. Ah. I'm fifty one. How old are you? Forty. Forty. Oh, so you had kids kind of young. Yeah. That's Either that or I had them old and I'm not willing to say that. So you you're gonna have to <laughs> you're gonna have to take that one. How old's your wife? Uh, my wife is, I'm 51, and she's three years younger than me. Oh, okay, three years. That's not too bad. Makes her four, uh, yeah, 48 or 49. Oh, okay. Yeah. She, um, I had my first kid when I was 43, and she was 39. Yeah. Yeah. But we CrossFit. Like, we can make kids till we're 70. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of, that's been a little bit debunked. Like, the idea of, like, 40, you need to stop. I don't think that's true. I don't know if that was ever really a thing, but. Some people just shouldn't have kids, by the way. If you're not sure, send, send me a picture of uh, you and your wife uh, working out together, and I'll tell you if you should have kids. Let's keep that, keep that those genes going. Uh, and uh, uh, quiet, David. I'm I'm glad I'm glad I'm not married. Shut up. Shut. Just shut. Just quiet. No one asked you. Um, you had them old, Sevy. Stop. I did not. And um, and you were raised a Democrat. Your teacher. I mean, I guess you're parents were teachers no my parents weren't teachers but they were democrats um yeah i was raised a democrat i mean when you're young i think especially i teach politics i think it's just like well i want to be a good person and the good people are the ones on the left so i'll lean there i think that's yeah, that's, that's what i was taught too it's the message yeah and, and what did your parents do what were their vocations um my mom was a social worker so she worked like in foster care like mm -hmm. helping them get homes. And then my uh, dad was like a, like a human resources guy for a big, uh, big hospital company. And, um, and, and you knew from a young age, you were a Democrat, like when they would do like the mock elections at school and they would be like, do you, are you voting for? Yeah. I don't think I, I honestly, I don't think I thought about it much. I think I was just like, I didn't, I didn't give politics a second thought. I had no interest in it when I was like, like 16, 17. Like I, I don't give a shit who's, running for president i was worried about like getting a pimple or like getting a cute girl to look at me right me too god yeah we're exactly like yeah did i have a full tank of gas and what's this pimple doing yeah like politics is not really i didn't see it relating to my life in any way like if this guy got in the presidency is my life going to get better or worse like i didn't connect any of those dots are, are you still um are you still a school teacher yeah mm -hmm. and, and and so you're able to have that Instagram account and be, are you a school teacher? At a, you're at a private school. I'm at a private school now. That's, that's the trick. Not just that. I'm at a religious private school that is um, really open. They already have an ideology. So when I push back on, especially like woke stuff, yeah, letters come out to the school. They find out where I, where I teach 
and they send letters or emails or whatever. And then my school just like crumbles them up and throws them away. I'm very, very lucky. That's part of why I'm doing what I'm doing is because I have a big network of, of teachers that can't speak out about the craziness. So like I, I do it because I can, because I don't know. There's not many teaching positions that can do what I, what I do and talk about the things that I talk about trans issues and stuff like that. Like asking questions about the trans issues. Like you're not allowed to do that at most schools, even private schools, especially like the elite. I'm in LA. So like the elite West side, like private schools, no way you get fired. Dude, you're in the fucking hive. LA is the hive. 100% of, of woke and, and, and insanity. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's amazing. And it, it, it's, are you Jewish? No, <laughs> no. But you, but you teach at a, a Jew school. I ju- teach at a modern Orthodox Jewish school. Yeah. My three boys are Jewish. Okay. So I teach three Jews, but it's not, a, but they're homeschooled. So I guess I'm a teacher like you too. I teach Jews. You teach Jews. Yeah. Yeah. Are there I any mean, non-Jews who go there? Nope. Not allowed. No, they're not allowed. No, it's pretty. It's pretty straight. Racist. (laughs) (laughs) That sucks. So you're telling me if I'm a fucking Armenian, but I don't want my kids going to the woke fucking uh, Mm. public school, I can't send them to the Jew Academy. If they're Jewish, if they, you know, either if their mom's Jewish, you know how it works. Like if their mom's Jewish, or they, uh, or they, whatever it is, converted. But that seems like a huge pain in the butt to convert. So yeah, no. I mean, it's part of it is so they they're trying to keep it. You know, yeah, they're trying to keep it within the tribe. Pure. So, you know, they don't want their kid bringing home a Maria or a Christopher. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they want, they want, yeah, bring home a, a Maya. Um, a, uh, Dev. But, but kudos to that school, man. We we need a, we need, uh, and kudos to you for um, keep going. This is a little personal. Are are you independently wealthy? No, um, but my wife is like an entrepreneur. Okay. She makes the bulk of of like our household income because okay, that. because yeah. um, but by no means am I um, Bill Gates. But if I didn't have the resources I have, I couldn't sit on this little ledge, yeah, and throw rocks at the idiots. I feel like because I have kids, I feel like I have some sort of obligation with the resources I have to stand on this ledge with a bow and arrow and fucking shoot down the bad shit. And yeah. if I didn't like, I, even though it seems inconsequential, I just fucking have to do it. Someone has to do it. And, and, and that's what I'm hearing what you do. You, for some reason, have a big enough set of balls, which maybe just means a little cushion of money, which is your wife being an entrepreneur that you and you have three kids. Does that resonate with you that you kind of have a moral obligation to like, OK, is it OK? You have to ask the tough questions. <laughs> Yeah. Is is it okay to generally mutilate a 12-year-old boy? When yeah, when, when I'd say it's those two things. The fact that I'm at a, a a modern orthodox Jewish school that is all about just like questions and education uh and they already have an ideology and then um and then the fact that my wife, you know, makes a good living, she's a hustler, she's like, you know, a shark businesswoman in the beauty industry. So those two things, absolutely. If it wasn't in that situation, yeah, I couldn't take the risk that I do. 100% I'm I'm always confused about the, the Jews because the Jews I was raised with are all fucking like psychologists. They're crazy woke. They're crazy woke, and uh, and, and I'm in I'm in uh, California also, 
And yet, as I study more and more about uh, Jewish culture, like recently I just learned that FDR, the, the great Democrat president who put um, uh, it built internment camps and fucking circled up all the Japanese and took all their shit. Yeah. I'm re- I heard that I just learned that he fucking wouldn't uh, make exemptions for Jews uh, at Ellis Island who are fleeing fucking uh, um, uh, yeah. Germany in World War Two yeah. that he wouldn't yeah. fucking open up. And it's like, dude, are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah, they like turned away boats. Boats like came into Florida and they, they were just like, no, head back, <laughs> head back. What? Um, I, so, so I'm confused. Yeah. Do you have any idea why are so many Jews Democrats? What? Where did they lose their way? My whole I, my, one side of my whole family is Jew Democrats. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I looked this up a while ago. I forget exactly what it is. Um, probably something along the lines of like a like a like a progressive kind of thing for when there was hardcore anti-Semitism and like, you're not allowed to come to these, uh, you know, country clubs or, you know, we're not allowed to, to buy a house in these, these communities and stuff like that, that they aligned a lot with the civil rights movement. Like if you look at like Martin Luther King, when he was marching in Washington and stuff, there are a lot of like rabbis with him and stuff like that. So I think that the Jewish population uh, aligned themselves with the civil rights movement. And then when the civil rights um, acts were passed in like 64 by Johnson, it was, that there was that classic quote of like, I'll have these guys voting Democrat for the next 200 years or whatever um, Johnson said. Uh, so I think that there's an alignment with this is, I think it's in the black community too. It's like, well, this is the, oh, the, course, the party that gave us our civil rights. So we're going to stay loyal to them. Wow. Even though it wasn't. Yeah. Well, well, Johnson did it. I mean, but the, his reasons well, or, but or the something. Democrats voted more Democrats voted against it than Republicans voted against it. The Civil Rights Act. Yeah, in- including Al Gore's dad voted against it. Yeah, it's when it was like still like the, the good old boy Democrats. Hey, if if you had if you um, so was there a time when you kind of woke up when you is there is there a moment where you were like uh oh I'm not thinking clearly on this. 100%. Yeah, it was when I married it was when I married my uh, my wife. So she's from, you know, the Philippines, born in the Philippines, came here and it's a family of entrepreneurs. Like they lived 10 people in a one bedroom apartment, like that kind of story. You know, and just like hustled, hustled, hustled and they were conservative politically because of that. But they were also super generous. So they like opened their house up to anyone who was like trying to get by and all that kind of stuff and it kind of threw a wrench into my whole idea about what you know, oh, I thought conservatives were like the greedy ones. I thought they were the ones who didn't. And then I looked at like my more liberal friends and I was like, oh, they don't really contribute much at all to like homeless people or they don't open their house at all to immigrants. So I was like, oh, maybe it's not what I thought it was. And, and that was the start? That was the start, yeah. And then um, it was right around the same time that I started listening to like the Joe Rogan podcast because I had a long commute. And he brought on all these like the intellectual dark web people like Eric Weinstein and uh, Jordan Peterson and people like that, that were kind of questioning, you know, the way that this woke ideology and the way that that things were kind of set up. And I was like, oh, OK, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little off on this. It Wait, what, up for sure. what year was that? 2015. Something like that. I, mean, I got married in 2012, but no, no, but the, the Joe Rogan stuff, because when I when I would listen to Joe, he was woke as shit. And then all of a sudden, sure. and then all of a sudden, I didn't listen to him a lot. I sh- I, that, 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 let me recharacterize that. When I would see clips of his or when I would read headlines, like he supported Bernie Sanders and things like that, and in and, and the guests he would have on or, or in the beginning of the so-called uh, a pandemic, 
he just seemed woke to me like, wow, this guy's not going to, this guy's not going to um, uh, go out on a limb. And then all of a sudden as him, Bill Maher and uh, what's the guy's name who, who, um, Dave Rubin. Uh, Ruben's all, I didn't see Ruben make the, the switch. Um, the, the comedian from the UK, he's huge on Instagram. Um, Br- uh, Brand, uh, Russell, oh, Russell Brand. Brand. Russell Brand. I saw those three guys flip the, flip the script and I was like, holy shit. Rogan yeah. Brand and Bill Maurer are like waking up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if it's like wake, waking up to like, oh, the Republicans are the right way, but I think waking up to like the way that the whole, system of like elitists and corporate greed and, and, and influencing government and stuff, how that all works. You know, the, the, the WEF stuff. Um, you, you, you talk about not wanting to be in an uh, echo chamber. And it's funny because my listeners and I are all kind of in an echo chamber because we, yeah. we can tell, cause we're all in the same algorithm, right? Uh, yeah. um, Instagram has got us all fucking pegged and, and we're all kind of swimming together. And, and that does concern me. But for me, it's like starting to ask what the definitions, what the definition of words meant. And I learned that from Greg Glassman 15 years ago, the founder of CrossFit. He defined people still today will do CrossFit forever and not realize the what Greg really did is he just defined fitness. He gave it a scientific definition and it exploded from there. And it, it, people can't even fathom that. And so for me, it was I started. Um, uh, so I was I was homeless for five years and when people talk about the homeless crisis in the United States, it's, it's not a homeless crisis. Homeless has the insinuation that those people um, uh, chose that. And in the, in the five years that I was homeless, it was only me and one other guy of the thousands of homeless people I met that weren't drug addicts. That basically it's a mischaracterization. They're all drug addicts. And, and I, and some of them can say, no, they're not. Well, the vast majority, 99% are, are drug addicts and they've chosen the hierarchy of drugs over shelter. The same way, I mean, you know what I mean? They've, and so if to build them shelter would be a, comp- a huge disaster, it would exacerbate the problem. That is not the pro- that is not they don't need to go indoors. They need to recalibrate their um, hierarchy. They've even put drugs before food. Right. One hundred percent. Yeah. And, and so that's how I kind of woke up. And that's how I feel that I just started looking into not accepting, um, you know, like the newest thing. Will is they're saying that there's 600 laws passed in the last two years that are anti-trans. <laughs> and if you look at any of the – anytime I turn on CNN, that's what it's saying. But anytime I look at the laws, the laws are like um, uh, against allowing 12-year-olds to chop their penises off. And I'm yeah. like, how, how is that being thrown – like I, haven't, I actually haven't seen one that's anti-trans. They're, mo- they're almost all child protection. And yeah, so it's well, just I, how you spin words. It's all it's this the whole thing has become a word game. Yeah, and like the perspective that you have, you know, going into that. Um, yeah, I mean, homelessness, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, it's a it's a I agree with you that's a choice, but it's also like these people are sick. I mean, if you're a drug addict, the correlation between um there's a great book, uh Chasing the Scream, Johan Hari book. I've read it, but like um Chasing the, the Scream. Chasing the Scream. It's just about like the drug the war on drugs and stuff. I'm very much against the war on drugs personally. Mm-hmm. Like I just uh-huh. don't I don't think it's it's good, but uh, you know a lot of these people they they have like extreme childhood trauma and they've never processed it for whatever reason they never had therapy they never had whatever it is so like we, I think what it's, if you look at these addicts on the street is they're sick then they need some sort of support to get to get them off I don't know if they can just like make that decision I think that they're they're broken in a lot of ways yeah that book yeah yeah it's really good uh, and, and tell me uh, the first and last days of the war on drugs. Um, 
uh, I, I was thinking this will the other day that if I was a, I don't know if, if I don't know if you've ever been addicted to anything, but I, I was addicted to nicotine, right? And, and I'll always crave nicotine. But yeah. if I if I was addicted to heroin, I would not want a clean na- needle exchange program. I would want to be arrested because I would want to be thrown into jail for like a week or a holding cell for two weeks to try to give me because to quit smoking you got to try like a hundred times. Yeah, like I never hear anyone who's like I quit and I'm done. Yeah, you got so you kind of need a reprieve, right? Like you need like to quit smoking, you need to cough up blood one time, or like to to quit heroin, you kind of need to and. It just seems like the entire machine is – you think if they just legalized all drugs, it w- the problem would get better? I mean they legalized pot and marijuana in California, and the shit got worse. Yeah, I, um, I think that it would, it would get better for some things, like, like as far as like fentanyl overdoses and stuff. I think that would improve because that's yeah, that would be great. Drugs. So right. if you know that the drugs at least you're getting, you can dose it out properly. I think it has to be that, and then the money that we're flooding into you – know, uh, you know, supporting these these anti-drug or these these drug laws and stuff like that and, and going out and enforcing it i think that could go towards better treatment treatment centers for people who are sick um but I'm, I'm worried about getting drugs that aren't what you think they are and that's how the the overdose rates are so high seventy thousand or whatever is eighty thousand people because you know essentially if you're drinking a beer and sometimes it's 3.5 percent and then sometimes it's the same percent as as vodka you know, then then you're you're screwed because you're like, ah, oh, I have three beers. I know what I feel like on three beers, but then you have three beers and one of those beers is vodka and you can't taste the difference. Then you're dead. And that's that's what's happening with a lot like kids, like, like teenagers are getting like street Xanax and stuff and then dying from fentanyl. And I think that kind of stuff is uh, is, is a big that's a big concern for me. Uh, the, um, five people that are one degree of separation from me have all died from fentanyl overdose and none of them were doing fentanyl. Yeah, there you go. So like, why is that? The way I explain it to my class is like, if you're going to have a, like a couple of friends over to drink in your bedroom and you got to walk through the living room where your parents are, you're not going to bring a case of beer clanging around. You're going to bring one bottle of vodka and smuggle it. Well, that's what fentanyl is. It's like so potent. So you can just send an envelope from China and have an envelope and then you can cut it in with all the heroin and stuff like that, as opposed to stripping a big crate of heroin. It's just, it's a lot more um, potent. And that's what, that's what happened during like prohibition too, is they, you know, started making moonshine which was really potent instead of beer was the, was like the popular thing before that. So it's just like, all right, it's going to be illegal. We got to do it on the down low. We got to make it really, really compact and therefore up the potency. And that's, that's a concern with how many people are accidentally dying. That's, that's terrible. Oh, it's terrible. Um, I had a guy on who made a documentary about it. I'll send it to you. It's cr- it's, it's beautiful. It's beautifully done. Unfortunately oh. I cried for 50 minutes, but, oh, yeah. um, but I, as a parent, I think you'll, you'll really appreciate it. It's told from the uh, the perspective of parents who lost their kids. Uh, yeah, Jay yeah. Hartle, jail and being away from his kids got my brother to clean up from heroin. Yeah. Um, rock bottom, right? If you're in jail, that's as bad as a rock bottom as you can get. Have you ever hit rock bottom? Um, yeah. Uh, medically. I was really, really sick in my like early 20s. Uh, so what? that would say it was from what? Weird something called intracranial hypertension. It was, re- it's really rare. It basically my brain makes too much spinal fluid. So I was getting really strong headaches and back aches for like, um, for like two years. They didn't know what it was. I had a bunch of surgeries and I had to spend just like, you know, weeks on end in the hospital as they were cutting me open and figuring out what was wrong and stuff like that. So that's, that's for me, that was and that, but that was the catalyst for a lot of positive changes. So it's kind of the way it works. And it was so bad that basically you wanted to die. That's that was rock yeah. bottom. You're like, I'm I'm tapping. I'm done. I can't take this anymore. Yeah, it was it was really really dark. Yeah, 
did, did you had you met your wife at that point? Nope. No, I was I just moved out to California. I was like 24 years old. So I was like a young, young guy. Um, and so I didn't have as much like now it's different. In 2018, I actually also had a stroke in 2018 from like excessive dehydration, they think. But um, but that was different because at that point I had two kids and a wife, and I was like, I can't die. I got important shit that's like around people counting on me. It was, it was, I had no it like no desire as much as pain as I was in as hard as it was being in the hospital. I was like, I was like, I got to get out of here. Cause I have stuff that's really important to do where when I was Purpose. in my early twenties, it was, e- it was just like easier somewhat to give up and I didn't, but yeah, I definitely, that was, I'd say my rock bottom. Uh, tell me, tell me about your stroke. Tell, wh- wh- yeah. Where were you? What happened? It was weird. Um, it was, it's a uh, venous sinus thrombosis. So basically I was uh, working out a lot. I do jujitsu and stuff. Um, where do you do jujitsu? Uh, John Jack Machado. It's like a, he's like an old Mr. Miyagi type. Who's like super good. Um, but in, I've been LA, doing in LA, in LA in Woodland Hills. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was doing jiu-jitsu at a different gym at that point, but like, and I was working out and everything like that. And I wasn't drinking water. Uh, and I, then I went on this like carnivore diet. Like a, I was on a ketogenic diet and then a carnivore diet. So I got rid of a lot of the vegetables, which are filled with water. And in the morning, my pee would be like really dark. And I was like, eh, What's the worst I could have? I was drinking a lot of coffee. Just, you know, it, was, it wasn't very smart. Lots of coffee, not a lot of water, excessive working out. They think that my blood just got really, like, thick, like, coagulated. And then I got a clot in one of the drainage, like, the way that your, your blood kind of works is just, like, like it's, like, like piping, like plumbing. And uh, in one of those, the, the drainage from my brain clogged, so it kind of had a backup. Like, you get a clog in your sink back up and then all the blood vessels in my brain started to pop and i started and i was getting like a really bad headache so over the course of like two days got a really bad headache and i started hallucinating and my wife was like you got to go to the hospital and i was like nah i'm fine let me just take some nyquil and sleep it off and that's like why you live longer when you have a wife she's like no you gotta get in the car whip. she like dragged me to the hospital they took a scan they said i had a stroke they rushed me to the um the icu gave me a bunch of like blood thinners and then it kind of um broke up to some degree and then the the blood just like started rerouting my brain yeah, it was gnarly, but did a piece of your brain die? No, I was, I've been, I was really, really lucky, man. Um, you know, I, it just, it was just a wake up call to, to pay attention to the, the small stuff. Like I was like looking at like micronutrients and like, I was looking at like my supplements and stuff like that and not drinking water. So now I drink a ton of water. I, I, doctors think that I have a, like just an ex, excessive like water need. Like I have to drink at least a gallon a day. I'm just like, Oh, are you still carnivore? No. No, I'm low carb, but like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I can't do that again. Unless I drink a lot of water and can't drink any coffee then maybe I could do it. Crazy. And, and, um, in that, how did they, how did they make it? So your body produces less, um, uh, the, the intracranial hypertension that was caused by the, the cranial fluid. How did they make your body produce less a, of that? Yeah. They put a shunt in. So I have like a, a pipe, like a little tube from my spinal column like my spinal like cord whatever the cerebral spinal sac and then it just dumps off into like my perennial cavity like inside my body and then i just i pee extra but yeah they put a little valve in there what's hardware yeah so so, so, kind of like drain it into your bladder Mm -hmm. yeah had they has that had they ever done that before yeah 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 i think it's like it's doesn't didn't seem that uncommon just to have like a just a shunt like a release valve it just pours into my like my body cavity and then my body absorbs it 
into. Hey, is it literally like this? Like you have like a cup of like cranial fluid and then up here the, there's a pipe and if it goes up too high, it hits that pipe and then just it drips off down into your bladder? I, I think it's a, like a pressure valve. So they put it into my spinal oh. column and then like as the, the pressure gets big, because that's what was happening is I was getting like really bad headaches and, a, and a yeah. as the pressure gets big, it opens up the little release and then it just pours out. Fuck, dude, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. And yeah, it I, works? No more headaches? No more. It was bad, too. I mean, it was a couple of years of like my early 20s, so it was bad. So, no, thank God. I'm, I'm good now. Uh, Jean uh, is Joe Rogan's instructor. Your instructor is Joe Rogan's instructor? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never seen Joe Rogan there, but yeah. Wow, small world. He he moved, right? He moved to uh, Texas. Oh, Texas. Yeah. Um. Will, why, um, uh, first of all, how do you get all your guests? Um, ask them on, on, um, Instagram. Usually I think it helps if I say like, ah, I'm a school teacher. Um, that's, you know, like, like, like essentially I align with like, there's a problems in education I'm trying to bring it, And not many classroom teachers are talking about the things that I'm doing. I mean, it's very, very few for a bunch of reasons. I think a lot of them align with me, but they're, they're scared for legitimate reasons to speak out. So, um, that's, that's probably the biggest thing is like, I'm a, I'm a school teacher. I'm not just some random white guy. I'm like, I'm, I'm in the classroom trying to bring about critical thinking and stuff like that. So I think that's why, but I reach out to them just on Instagram. Or if I find someone interesting from another podcast or on TV or something like that, I do a little research and I try to find them like on Google. Like there was a teacher here in Glendale it's like a gay guy, like teacher of the year, two-time teacher of the year, who was fired for basically saying that, like, you know, we shouldn't push a trans agenda on kids. So I'm trying to find him. Like, I'm, I reached out to his lawyer, tried to look, look him up on social media. Like, I do that. Like, that person's interesting. I reach out to him. And you're doing – and how frequently is your podcast? Uh, say once a week. And, and, and do you, do, you do video also. It's video and audio. Yeah. Yeah. I did one yesterday with uh, Chris Beck. It was like the Navy SEAL, like 13 deployments, seven <laughs> combat deployments, Navy SEAL, and then became trans in 2013. I've been trying to D get him on for fucking five months. It, how, how the yeah. fuck did you do that? Detransition in 2022. Yeah. Um, he's wild, man. He's <laughs> talking about thermodynamics and like like all this crazy stuff. I worked at the Pentagon, so they're, they're like he's like deep into the whole, uh, you know, like deep state stuff. And and you went to and you got him through Instagram. Yeah, I was I was persistent. Um, but because yeah. he has that automatic reply, I remember. Yep, yep. Yeah. So um I connected, I think it was a school teacher thing. Cause then when when we talked, um, he was saying, like, you know, thanks for what you're doing because they homeschool their kids and they're like really against the school system. I think that's what it is. I think that people are looking the people are concerned about the school system, and then they're seeing me who's like speaking out against it. Um and I think that's that's what what aligns with people. I hear that eighty seven percent of the uh, teachers in this in the in the United States who teach our forty nine million kids are in the public school system. Eighty seven percent are uh, liberal. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, at least yeah, yeah, I would say so. I think there's probably some like older guys that are vets or you know in the science department or something like that that aren't. But yeah, but it's also all the unions. The unions are directly connected to the democratic party so you're paying union dues like they're it, that's if you look up the nea that's the biggest um teachers union you can look that up and look at where their donations went it's yeah it's 90 percent go to democrats so the the nea i think is, is a good 
kind of example of the way that this is 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 funneling directly with uh, the Democratic Party. Uh, you say there are very few teachers like you. I'm going to guess there's I haven't seen one. Have you seen one like on social media? Yeah. Just anywhere. Just an, a teacher who's openly uh, like, hey, I don't think that there should be boys in the girls bathroom. Yeah. On uh, on Twitter. Um, not even that you're saying that. Uh, can we have no, a, I'm not. a teacher won't even say, can we have a discussion? Yeah. That's about the, boys. Some conservative teachers. Um, uh, Daniel Buck is one. He's on uh, Twitter. Uh, he's like a conservative. So he's, he's open. I'm not actually, that's the thing. It's like, I'm just asking questions. I'm not like, you know, let's go Republicans. I'm just like, wait, hold on. They're both really messed up. Let's have some conversations about this. And that's, I don't know too many others that are doing that as openly as me. Uh, um, you, you not only had uh, uh what, what was his name? Beck on, but you had Chloe on Chloe Cole. Yeah. Look yeah. at this. This is like yeah. this should be. She should be like everywhere. This should be like America's most popular guest. She should be on fucking every show. Like, like, well, why the fuck that? What well, Jimmy Kimmel should have her on? Well, she throws a wrench into a lot of the ideas, right? I mean, that was that was like one of my favorite parts. I was like emotional during that. She's she's still a kid. She's the age I teach. You know, she's maybe eighteen or nineteen now, but she's a kid, which is eighteen, nineteen is still a kid. And um, and she was just she was just duped by this whole thing and her parents were i mean it was a it was a really i feel i feel for for this girl but she's strong and she's got a lot of support now a lot of people like you are like all right Chloe, you're awesome we got you you know and so she there's a lot of support that she has and i hope that that helps because i don't know how she doesn't fall into a a dark place knowing that all the stuff that happened to her and she's cool she, i just hope she doesn't get greta thunberg thun thundered thun thunberg <laughs> You know what? That I said that in the podcast. Are you talking about like being like by being like manipulated by people who are who have their own agenda? Yeah, like 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 yeah. poor Greta. When you see her, you're like, "Fuck! Yes. What did what happened to you?" I said that to her because um, I don't know how your feelings are on like on like Matt Walsh. I'm not a big fan of like a lot of things that he that he does. Even though I I, I understand why he's doing it, I do. But I was, you mean I just because of his because he's angry his ang his vibe? You don't like his yeah. vibe? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm. Like, I know that's I'm, a little. I'm, I'm they, a Christian man. Like, I don't know. I think that he broadcasts that he's a Christian all the time. And then he goes after and makes fun of people the most harsh way that he can. And I think that there's, if you're mm -hmm. going to broadcast that you're a Christian, he says it a lot more than I do. And if you're going to broadcast that and then try and take cheap shots at people, I think that's a real problem for what I think is important, which is like, you know, trying to get people to, to see the benefits of, of a, a Christian life. But like, uh, that's a big, that's a big issue for me. It's like calling out the, the ugliness within those people. But yeah, I think she could be used as like a, as like a cudgel, like a, like a political tool. And I said that to her, I was like, just be careful that people aren't using you, you know, for, for their own kind of personal political gain, some sort of like anti gay, you know, agenda, which could happen, you know, like whatever it is. Like, there's a, there's a line that we have to draw to be clear what it is. Uh, Cudgel, right? C-U-D-G-E-L, a short and thick uh, stick uh, uh, used as a weapon. Did I not say I meant like, like a like, – yeah, No, like a you used it perfectly. Did I? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you used it perfectly too as a cudgel. She could be used as a weapon to like – yeah, what she could be that's, – that's, Greta Thunberg has been weaponized. I think that's I think totally so. fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think but it's she just, won't, but she basically you're not allowed to out. talk about climate change or else you're you, they've they've lumped it in with flat earther and yet there's absolutely zero a predictive value in the models that they've 
foot forward. I mean, it's fucking nuts. It's nuts. Yeah, you can't just taking these. I mean, Chloe is too. Like you're taking these autistic kids and you're putting them on this massive, like platform and just having them. Chloe's yell got at a little Asperger's in her. She had a little autism. Chloe. Yeah. Yeah. She said that she was. She was like late, late diagnosed, but she said she was oh. diagnosed with oh. having. Um, sorry, like, sorry. Go on. Okay, you take these at these uh, on the yeah. Yeah, I mean these kids. Like I've taught kids with, with with like Greta Thunberg or whoever. I've taught kids like that. Like they, they're so easily kind of like you know shifted because they they their mind works differently. Like you can kind of drive them in a certain direction, and then she's getting praise for really not saying anything. She doesn't say anything. You know, I I I uh, I've been trying to. I don't think I'm gonna get him, but like I tried to get Boyan Slot. You know about that guy, that kid? No, but I'm sure he's awesome. You're fucking. Oh, he's awesome. So he's 16 years old. He went snorkeling. He's a European kid, like a like Scandinavian kid. But Boyan Slot, he uh he was swimming like like uh like um snorkeling in the ocean. Saw more plastic than fish, and he's like, you know, he's 16 years old. He's like, I'm gonna clean up the oceans, and he did. He's doing the biggest ocean cleanup. He pulls out thousands and thousands of pounds of like of plastic from the oceans every single day and then melts them down and makes cool sunglasses. Like he's, he's amazing. And he's actually cleaning up the environment, but no one knows who boy on slot is. Everyone knows who Greta Thunberg is. Like he's just out there doing the work. You know, it's like that thing where like someone's standing there with a sign that says, don't litter. And they're, they're knee deep in litter. And then someone else is out there with one of those sp- spikes cleaning yeah. up the litter. Yeah. And they're getting critiqued. It was like, where's your sign? Where's your sign? How come you're not talking about don't litter? It's like, no, I'm too busy cleaning it up. You know, God, dude, I think that that's, that's, that's a, a big problem. What's going on here. Yeah. This dude's cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's cool. But I bet you he's woke as fuck. Sorry. I just had to throw that. I bet. I he bet. might be. Yeah. Yeah. He might be, but he's still, he's doing work. Yeah. Good. Good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Founder uh, and CEO. Yeah. Good. Good. Good one. Yeah. He's cool. After you have him on, I'm gonna start bugging him. That's right. Look, follow. Bam. Then done. At least he doesn't. At least he's not wearing a mask in his um, post. Hey, (laughs) give me something that the Republicans are. Sorry to put you on the spot. Not sorry. Uh, Give me something that the Republicans are doing that's uh, that's 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 batshit crazy. Like I can give you ten things I think that the Democrats are doing that are batshit crazy. Can you give me something that like that they're doing that's just like what the fuck? Um, yeah, I think that there's, there's blindness in general to, to like the, the, the moves that they're doing that are very similar to the moves that like, the, it's just the general hypocrisy, but like within my, my real world of education, just to get more specific would be, um, in Florida when they're, when they're, they're part of what the law was to ban the ban critical race theory. And I've spoken out on critical race theory. I was on, you know, like whatever Glenn Beck and black news tonight talking about critical race theory. Um, part of what they're doing is there was language in the policy that if a child is offended by what was being, by, by what's being taught that it needs to go up for a review. And that's, that's like snowflake stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's woke shit. That's yeah, woke shit. That word. Yeah. Of, yeah that you're right. So, okay. Yeah. So that's one where I'm less like, no, you can't do that. Cause there's going to be little, you know, Brad or whatever, little, little white kid. Who's going to be like, well, they said that white people did bad stuff or whatever it is. It's like, well, yeah, kids are going to be overly sensitive and they're going to try and weaponize that. So that's one that I would say I'm not, not a fan of. Uh, uh, So to, to sort of take the, um, it's basically what, um, what you started, what we talked about early in the show. Some people are offended by what you do. 
and then they, they, their kids don't even go to your school. They don't know you, but then they send a letter to your fucking school to try to get you fired. It's like the worst. It's fucking yeah. disgusting. It's, it's yeah, like it the, the root. And that's basically what that's doing in that law. Instead of they're basically allowing people to say it's enough to be offended in order to raise your hand and put it in, and make every stop the bus. And we have to be like, okay, I'm offended. Yeah. Like what I would advocate for more is like a conversation. Like if you want to bring in Ibram X Kendi into, you know, professional development. All right. Well then also bring in James Lindsay or also bring in, you know, um, mm, John McWhorter. Mm, like mm. let's, let's have this out. Let's have a, an, an out of these ideas and let's figure this out. That's what I'm always advocating for is not like the, I'm not, not cancel culture, but let's be more, let's bring in more in, let's bring more perspectives in and let's get really to it. I, I think the best ideas will, will survive but we're not having this free exchange of back and forth and like a, a you know like a gladiator arena of ideas we're not that's why i'm anti-echo chamber is i think that what we're what, what we're gonna get to is just our own set of news and information and facts and everything like that as opposed to like what's actually going on so i i like i like just bringing it all in and let's let's see what happens but you can't like so during um the summer of 2020 whatever you want to call that the george floyd summer the the uh a bunch of teachers were all over the internet saying elevate black voices and you know project black voices and stuff and they were all like hardcore left black voices and i would and i asked several of them like why are you not mentioning any conservative black voices and one zero 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 yeah a, a very prominent teacher who on like on like social media who has a big like the biggest teacher podcast and stuff was like, Well, are they saying anything different? I was like, John McCorder said that anti-racism <laughs> is worse than racism. Yeah, not only is that different, it's the anti-racism is just word fuckery. <laughs> yeah. It's like Daryl Davis is an anti-racist. You know that guy? If I see him, I is that is is he the Harvard guy with the dreadlocks? No, no. Daryl Davis is the the musician who befriended people in the KKK and got them to give mm -hmm. up their robes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah, amazing. Like that's an anti-racist. Like he actually stops racists from existing because he befriends them. Even X Kennedy doesn't stop racism; drives it underground. He just he just turns it around and makes it okay to be racist against these people instead of those people. That's the way I see it. I think it's like neo-racism, but. It's not it, it, math. It's not the way you see it. It's the it's the way it is. Another example would be we were. I used to be for affirmative action, right? I was in college and I would get and I would protest. Mm -hmm. The the there was a a, a black guy uh, who was um uh, on the sat on the UC Regents for University of California, and he was against affirmative action, and he was a black guy, right? Yeah. And he would come to our school and fucking everyone would protest against him. All the fucking white kids, right? Not get curious, right? And, yeah. And now I have to look at what does affirmative action mean? Affirmative action means that there's 10 spots to get into college. And instead of giving them to the 10 people based on this criteria of passing these tests, we're going to give them based on skin color. And so that means that affirmative action means less white kids and less Asian kids are going to get in so that we can help out more people um, who uh, do better at the, living at the equator, uh, melanated skin. And it's like they never tell you that part. It's it's just it's just it's a and that's why they use the word affirmative action. It's really racism to fight racism. Yeah, it's like it's a sloppy. It's it's, it's not my opinion. Yeah. I, I don't think of any. My opinion is is that you're having a good hair day. Right. But the facts are that Will has hair. <laughs> right. I for mean, now. it's like for now. Is your dad bald? Yeah. 
I, I'm doing okay though. Yeah, you look good. It doesn't, doesn't it's not getting crazy yet. Thanks, man. Um, and so that that's yeah. the part I'm struggling with on how you are staying. I I think like I have Seth Gruber on. Do you know who that is? You had uh, Peter Bogosian on. I'm fucking Armenian. Sorry, I'm shifting gears. You had Peter Bogosian on. I've contacted yeah. him 20 times, and he says keep saying not yet. I'm fucking Armenian. And you went on Will Roosh's podcast, you yes. dickhead. I love you, Peter. I'm yes. Turkish. No, I'm not. But um, <laughs> but you know your history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, Bogosian's great. Again, I think that was because I was a school teacher speaking out, and that, I was like very. I love the 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 hoax papers. I taught. I teach them in my class. I teach about the the Bogosian hoax papers. So that's probably why. But yeah, no, I'm with you for on affirmative action. <laughs> I see it. Ibram X. Kendi actually tweeted something about this where he's like, kids are pretending to be black in order to get into college. Like, yeah. blah, blah. And, then, and then he quick totally deleted it. That. I would it totally do that. Yeah. Well, my students do not, they don't <laughs> pretend, but like if they're mixed race, they're going to say that they're one thing over the other because it's actually out like what the, the average SAT scores are for like a white kid a, a getting into Harvard, a Hispanic kid, a black kid, an Asian kid. It's like, you know, it's like, it's very clear. And then they did that whole thing. There was that lawsuit against Asian kids in, at Harvard because they, they were penalized. Like they were, they weren't getting in, even though they were clearly had the best grades and stuff like that, because they said, if we just took it based on merit, then the school would be almost all Asian. And I guess that's a problem. So. Hey, um, uh, Asians make basically twice as much on average than white people yeah and it can also come down to like dear black people please asian. attack the asians and leave us alone thank you the uh <laughs> it comes down to like what kind of asian too like that's the thing is like I'm, I'm married a filipino the filipinos are not the same as the koreans and like yeah. japanese chinese there's like a, a culture of education it's actually very similar to like the jewish culture that i teach in but then if you look at like like laotian the filipinos are lower on the totem pole oh yeah yeah sorry honey yeah i yeah. I, it's, I figured and who's they kicking that? And it's like it, it, I guess it's the same with it's and it's the same with black skin people too. Like fuck, who Nigerians are murdering. Nigerians, exactly. They're fucking example. destroying yeah. it here. Yeah, they're they're outperforming their white counterparts. So that's why yeah. these categories. There is like obviously a cultural difference. Thomas Sowell. Like there's obviously a huge cultural difference that you just can't bring up. And I just want to bring it up. It's going to be like, wait, isn't this a problem? Like this is a. You mean skin color doesn't really matter and it's all cultural? It puts a hole in it. I mean. It's there's I think there there probably is I had uh, Ian Rowe on my podcast was like he's like you know he was denied um speaking he went to Harvard Business School and he was denied a speaking gig for Nicole Hannah Jones and he's they said well yeah you're black but you're West Indian like his parents are Jamaican and that's not the same and he's like look if you're saying that I'm being dis that black people are being discriminated against by cops and stuff like you think a cop's gonna look at me start harassing me and go wait a second your parents are from Jamaica right oh right. okay never mind like you're it's all good like. Which one is it? It's a very disjointed ideology. Look obviously. at look. I know you're a school teacher. Don't make fun of me. Don't judge me for this. You ready? Look at I looked up yeah. Ian Rome. Look at look at my spelling is just horrible. Look at me. R O W E. Stop. R O W. -E. I don't actually. Oh, I don't Rome. think he has an Instagram. Oh. Well, here now he does. It's this white guy. Uh, he's a traffic electrician, auxiliary police officer, Canadian music advocate. Canadian yeah. music advocate. I just want to know what your pronouns are. What are his pronouns? He didn't put them. This dude, listen, you don't have an RV in your fucking pro in one of your picks and your pronouns. <laughs> so, so I have Fantastic. this guy on uh, Will who uh, uh, Seth Gruber. 
and he's made yeah, it his yeah. his dedication in life to uh, uh, stop uh, kids from being murdered in the womb. And I'm pro-choice. Okay. And he's pro-life. Yeah. But part of me every time, like, part of me thinks I'm just lying because I'm just so – part of me thinks I really am uh, pro-life. Mm. And I, and, I, and I might actually be a Republican. And when I see your the shit you're doing, I'm like, uh oh, maybe Will's, maybe Will and I, like, we're kind of, we're, we're, we're stuck. We want to be open. I can't tell maybe if it's just like, you know, I'm just dedicated to the 49ers and no matter what, I can't ever be a Raider fan. Uh, but, well, do you so know what I'm saying? Like, I have him on that. and I'm telling him I'm pro choice and this guy's made his life saving babies and I'm like, fuck, what a stud. I just love him. Yeah. Um, and, and like, I, I don't see, I, I don't want to take away women's rights over their bodies because of the precedent it sets. But like, dude, like I know it's killing babies. I know it is. Yeah. I'm, so I'm yeah. fucked up. I'm all, I'm all, I'm all. See, look it, look it. See, here's Heidi. There, here comes the peanut gallery. I knew that you get, can't you guys just let Will and I have a moment, go get a glass of water or something? Sevon, you're not pro-choice. That's a uh, tough Se one. Se Sevon, it, it, just admit to yourself we will accept you with open arms. Uh, I am fine. Would you still consider yourself a Democrat? No. No. And, and the reason why is because um, I, I, I think that at its core, my understanding now of the ideology and the way it works is that they are profoundly uh, hateful and racist and that there's a eugenics component in its history and um, – uh, and, 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 God, this one's really hard for me to say. I think that there's a pedophilia maybe component. Not maybe. Something's uh even though I, I, I even though I'm sort of dogmatic in my spirituality, while I play this game on planet Earth, I want to protect children at all costs. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Like I do. So so I'm I'm just and, and I wouldn't give a fuck if I didn't have kids, to tell you the truth, Will. I probably wouldn't give a fuck. I'd be like, bring the Armageddon on. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I want my boys to have like cool girlfriends and like, like chicks that want to raise their kids and like, yeah. And, yeah. and believe in that. Like, like, like a dude with a strong chick is dope. You could fucking yeah. take on the, the world. Yeah. If a chick got your back. Yeah, 100%. And I don't yeah. want a chick who's like, who's like trying to feminize my boy. Like, here's another thing too. Like, because of CrossFit, like, Every human being should know what it's like to walk out onto a track and run as hard as they can for 400 meters. Mm -hmm. It's fucking a crazy. And yet there's, there's for some reason that's being poo pooed. Like everyone should know at one point what it's like to wrestle. Mm -hmm. Right. Physical fitness is like looked down upon as something like right wing. There was, there's always right. like crazies. Um, so do you think that you're, are you going through any of that? Like me? I mean, I don't lose sleep over it, but. I don't want to be a fraud either. I don't want to be insincere. Like, uh, I, why can't I just say, why can't I just say I'm pro-life? But I can't, I just can't. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I am. Or what are you? Are you pro-choice or are you pro-life? <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm mixed on it as well. Here's, here's the reason oh, why. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, it's tricky. Yes. It's, it's pitting liberty against life. And I've had four podcasts on it. It's, I, the, the what problem did you say? That I have it's, it's pain. What it's pain liberty against life. So it's the, the woman's liberty 
again, okay. the baby's life. And what happens okay. is the pro-choice people are all focused on the liberty and the pro-life people are all focused on the life. But America is life and why, liberty. Why don't like, they just admit that it's killing a baby, though? That's the part. Like, at least I can admit that. I can be like, do. hey, it's killing a baby, but I also want the liberty for women. But they're like calling it like clump of cells. Yeah, or or they're saying like, really, it's just. I, but I want to be a lawyer. Well, then you're okay with child sacrifice. Just admit it. You're okay with killing the baby in your womb so that you could go to law school. I've had two um, like abortion. One of uh, Bronte Ramsnick, who showed, and then I also had abortion doctor on. It's like one of my early podcasts, and um, both of them kind of got to the point where they admit that it's at least not ideal like like they like they they admit that there it is terminating a pregnancy it's terminating a life like you really break it down they will but it's just the liberty of the woman supersedes that because of you know they're autonomous they're conscious the baby's not you know things like that i my biggest concern about um banning abortion is the same concern i have with prohibition of anything is it won't stop it and that's that's my biggest like I like free will. I like helping like as a school teacher, like I don't want to force you to not cheat. So it's not like put up these barricades and blind your, your eyes so you don't look your neighbor's paper. I want you to want to not cheat, which is harder. Yeah, but yeah, the, yeah. The goal that's how I feel to- about steroids. I don't want you to have to lie. <laughs> yeah. I hate the fact that we we exalt athletes and then punish them for using steroids. Like I don't know what the answer is, but I I'm I feel bad for them that they have to lie. Same thing with the abortion. They never talk about the the damn women are, who have abortions are damaged for the rest of their lives. I think oh, so, some of them are. I don't know the stats. I, from that, but. In my mind, that there's two kinds. There's ones who know that they're damaged, and there's ones that that are in denial and they're also damaged. I don't think you have an abortion, and then by that I mean it stays with you your whole life. It's a thought. Yeah. You pick when you oh, kill a baby, yeah. you pick something yeah. up. Yeah, that you can never put down like nicotine. That's why nicotine's horrible. Yeah. You pick it up and you'll never put it down. Yeah, you kill a baby and now you got something. Go to bed yeah. at night. You're like, oh yeah, I'm, you I, can I, ignore I, it. Yeah, you shut it down or repress it. But yeah, it's it's there somewhere. I yeah, think so. Yeah, uh, but the my I what I would ideal I think would be you have the option to do tremendous harm and evil in the world, and you choose not to. And that's so that's one of the reasons. And, you know, maybe that's that's, you know, ignorant. But like that's that's, I think, one of the the bigger reasons why I would lean towards um, keeping it up to the states to decide if a certain state wants to have abortion. I don't think it's good, but I think that that's probably aligned with the Constitution more so. Um, I don't know. And then and then let people make that make that call. But we also we need to support young moms and stuff like that people who feel lost they have no no one to help them raise this kid is we also have to do that and that's an issue that i think um the 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 political right needs to get better at is real support for these these pregnant girls who feel like they have nowhere to go there are organizations 100 but those organizations are not in the neighborhoods where these a lot of these pregnancies are happening like i taught in those neighborhoods and the kids were really these 15-year-old girls get pregnant, they're lost, they don't know what to do. You know, it's like you got to be there for them to walk them through it. And as a friend, you say, like, you have you're pregnant, we're gonna raise this kid together. I got you. You're not on your own because they're so scared that they feel ill-equipped to raise this thing, so they have an abortion. So you can't just ban it. If you're gonna ban it, you got to give support to fill it in. It's like banning drugs. If you're gonna legalize drugs, then you got to support people. If you're gonna ban drugs, you got to support people through their addiction. And I think that it's just like a hard line of just of just making abortions illegal. I don't know if that's gonna solve the root problem. 
and, and, and what and what is the root problem? <clears throat> I think a big one is the normalcy of casual sex. Mm, and this wow. makes me seem like a real old like fart like a conservative I guess but like I don't know I didn't wait till marriage to have sex and I did but I didn't think about it I was just like as soon as I can have sex I'm gonna have sex why would I not right, <laughs> like, right, right. a girl's willing to hook up with me of course I'm gonna do it and not thinking about the the real repercussions of that I mean you have kids you have sons right I mean do you yeah do you want them to just go out and just hook up with random girls like wouldn't it be better it'd be better to have them meet someone that they love, whether or not they get married, like someone that they love. And they're like, Hey, if we would have a baby in this, like, all right, it's made through love and I'm going to do the right thing. Like that's the ideal. And I like aiming for the ideal. And I think that the fact that kids are watching friends still high school kids watch like friends from the nineties, but <clears throat> Joey goes on a date and hooks up with someone. Then, you know, Monica has two dates and it's time to have sex. They just, it's this thing of just like, it's fine to have sex with anybody. Don't worry about it. I don't think that that's the way that we're built. We're built to have sex for continuing on your genes and your, you know, that whole thing. So I think that there's, there's the, the cultural element of like, you should maybe have sex with people that you love, that you feel a deep connection with. And not just the, I think it's the casual hookup culture is a big problem with it, but that's, that makes me sound really old. Um, I, I go, going back to the boy thing. I just, I think boys need to be kept busy. Yeah. Like very, like very, very busy. I think if you see groups of boys not doing anything, that's the downfall of civilization. You do yeah, not. Yeah, the, the, the last thing you want to see is a group of eighteen-year-old boys standing on a street corner in your in your city. If they could yeah. be the nicest boys in the world, you never want to see that. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I would always when I was teaching public school, like I taught in a really bad area of East LA, and I would get there two hours early and then get say two hours late. I would like take them to the gym. I'd lift with them. You know, do it, do like guy stuff. You know, I teach them how to box and stuff like that just because they wanted something. They didn't want to be on the streets, really. These are like gangster kids, but they were just like, we have nowhere to go. So I was like, all right, well, I'll give you somewhere to go. And then they were at the gym instead of on the streets. It was really good. There just wasn't enough. There weren't, weren't enough boys and girls clubs and stuff like that in those in those areas that the kids were able to go to. Uh, Mason Mitchell, I think he's being uh, sarcastic uh, um, or facetious. I want the poor, uneducated 16-year-old girl to have three kids with no support, anything but abortion. See, I, 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 don't, I can't even handle the wording of that, though, Mason. Right? I had a 17-year-old student in, at that school in East LA. 17-year-old student, she was pregnant with her third kid. Wow. And, and, I, uh, and I, she was, I had the bathroom pass. To like go to the bathroom. Hey, you know, she had the bathroom pass. Hey, mister, can you sign my bathroom pass? And I was like, oh, you got to write the, the time on there. And she's like, what time is it? And I pointed to the clock. It was like an analog clock. And she goes, I can't read that shit. Oh. Like, <laughs> like what? As I thought of the Chris Rock joke. It's like, like get out of here before your kid robs me in 15 years. Like, <laughs> like that's. Hey, that's do you know problem. if it was three? It was it the same? It was it three separate dads. I uh, I think it was actually the same dad. Oh, that's cool. He was in eleventh grade. Um, oh in, shit! 11, oh no, he, yeah, he was, it was he was a senior. She was eleventh grade or something like that. He was at the school too. Yeah, I don't know who was watching the kids. But I had the not, same I think girlfriend. That one was the same dad. I had the same girlfriend sophomore, junior, senior year, and it, within a year, she said I could have sex with her, but I still waited another two years. Why? I was like just I was just happy like touching her tits and rubbing on her and shit. Why did you wait? no no reason just like i just thought it was too much work like 
what like like if like i was cool with you know just a handy or dry humping or just whatever like it was yeah and then but 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 it's three years and i loved her to death she was great and you want to know the only reason why i ended up having sex Mm. be completely honest no one's listening again let me see the numbers yep everyone is on a bathroom break um i thought i was going to graduate from high school a virgin and i was like you know what i should do this not that I had any like peer pressure. Like I didn't care if like some kid said it. I was like, I better do this. Huh. And then once I had sex once, uh, Will, it was like a fucking downpour. Yeah. It was, like 10 years of pussy just fell on me. Like someone opened a gate and it just like. They could, they could smell it on your hang <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, Will, um, I, needed, I need you for more time, uh, but we've run out of time. What is the end? You know, for two things. Or did you have fun? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what I was stepping into, man. Yeah, you're, you're, this is very different than a, than a lot. I, I go on a lot of podcasts that are super dry. So, no, this was great. <laughs> Thank you. This wasn't boring at all. Okay, good. And um, what is the, what? how much longer are you going to do your podcast? Is there a goal? Like, what is there a goal? Do you, um, I'm guessing yeah. you kind of need to keep teaching um, just for the street cred and for the stories and the information, but that you also probably want to step away so you can take more full-time care of your kids and do more uh, media. Um, yeah, I love it. I really do. Like, you I'm, mean just the class, balance of your life? You're loving your life. I love my life. Yeah, I've been very, very blessed. But like, I love being in the classroom. Like, okay. I just the, my seniors just graduated, and it's like at the end of the year. Like, I bring my wife to like they do this like senior celebration night, and like bring my wife just because she's kind of like more on the side of like you know you should have a bigger impact, you know, scale what you're doing, whatever it is, which I I hear and I'm I and I and I appreciate that, and I'm doing it. But like when a kid who you've had like a relationship with, like like you know them, you've known them since 10th grade, you know, you know, their ups and downs, their parents are going through a divorce and they were crying. You, you know, talk to them. Like I have, I I'm really close with my students. I have a lunch with a different student every day. So like oh, I get to know cool. these kids and I like really connect with them. And I can't do that on the same level through my social media and podcasting and stuff. So it's not, there is an element of like, yeah, then I, I still like this, the street credit of being a classroom teacher, but I really, really enjoy it. Um, I'm gonna keep you're, doing the podcast and you're stuff. a relationship person. You like yeah. rela- human relationships. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Like an Enneagram four, <laughs> that Enneagram test. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I'm going to keep doing the podcast and stuff. Cause the hope that I'm working on right now, what I'm doing is trying to make homeschool curriculum. That's along the lines of like the stuff that I do in the classroom and trying to scale it. Um, and open it up so I have like group meetings with like kids from across the country. That's what I'm trying to do. And I'll use my podcast and stuff to, to still uh, bring bring more attention to what I'm trying to do in education. I'm trying to fix the education system because it's just broken on all levels. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a way is like keep myself. You know, so I show up on people like you on your radar and they can bring me in and talk about stuff. Like I think that there's a real power in having a social media presence now. If someone screws me over, if I take my car in to go get oil at this Jiffy Lube on this corner of the street and they screw me over, then I can be like, don't go to the Jiffy Lube. And like there's some power in that. There's yeah. some power in that. And then if there's something crazy that goes on with my school and they 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 change their mind, they get rid of me for a really bad reason or someone um, does something really terrible, I can – Bring them on. I can bring them on my podcast. You know, there's so many people that are doing amazing things, and I'm like, more people need to know about what you're doing. And I'll contribute in the little way that I can. So I think that there's, I think that there's real value in building that that presence on uh, on these social media channels. 
Uh, Alyssa, what's the name of his podcast? There's no reason to know the name of Will Roosh's Cylinder Radio. All your time should be here at the Sevon Podcast. Do not go to Cylinder Radio. Put your head back, Will. Put your head back. Uh, Will, a final question. This one's yeah. the, the mo- biggest putting you on the spot. Um, you didn't share your phone number with me. You're very guarded. Now that you've been on the show, are you going to share your phone number with me? I, in the email, I had said you could text me. Oh, I didn't see it. Oh, yeah, man. I'll give you my phone number. Right. I don't want to share it right here, right now, but I'll, I'll email you right now. First, man. you the band, dude. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I know our paths are going to cross again. I loved having you on. You're a great dude. What a great oh. resource. I'm glad to, to have met you. Thank you very much, man. No, it was great to meet you, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll do this again. This was fun. All right, brother. All right. Ciao. Take care. Will Roosh, Ben Bergeron. God, I love this show. I love this show. I love, love, love this show. I have to go. I'm going. I'm going. going. Dear Seven, this This is God. 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 Your podcast podcast is dope. dope. I love you. Bye-bye.